0: Loaded Sport. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second.
1: What a (laughs) scandal! Austin Eckler versus the Cards. Go and fuck the lot of you. (laughs) (laughs) you He's making me like I'm some full cameo, like I come in and go. Hand out the bag, England to win.
2: Hello and welcome to Loaded Sport. It is episode fifty-one, and the weekend is almost here. Tonight we have got. Plenty of things happening in the combat world. We're going to kick off the show with Kempi's Combat Corner. We've also got Formula One to discuss as we have now had Monaco and we've got Spain upcoming this weekend. And tonight we're going to do things a little bit differently and we're going to close the show with football as we talk about last weekend's Premier League closing weekend, what happened in the playoff finals, also what's going to be upcoming this weekend with the FA Cup final, as well as our end-of-season awards as well to close the show. So joining me at the moment, Sam will be joining us later on for the football, but uh, with me right now, first of all, we've got Aggie. Aggie, how are you doing, mate? I'm very good, mate. Thank you. How's you? I'm not too bad, mate. I'm very, very happy that it's the weekend um, as I'm sure you are as well. So uh, I've got a, a couple of short weeks coming up. So looking forward to the reset and recharge. Good. And uh, also with us, who is going to kick us off this week with the latest in the combat world? Kempi, how are you, my friend?
0: Mister Dawson. man with the mic. How are you, chap? Sure, I. Right? I'm all right, mate. We're the struggling there. Unmuted myself, and then didn't think I'd unmuted myself, so muted myself again. And then I had to unmute myself again. So, yeah, we've we've had a good start to the podcast. It's a good start to the show. And it's good that I'm on first because it'll allow me to wake up a little bit and get into the swing of things. So there you go.
2: Absolutely. And I'm sure the swing of things will be a lovely little pun when we get into discussing weekends later on in the show. But uh, like I said, we're going to close this week with football because we want to get really in-depth on our opinions in the season with the End of Season Awards, the first ever Loaded Sport End of Season Awards. So, Kemp, We've got a couple of reviews we've got a couple of previews and, and based on what we've we've seen in the chats in this last hour maybe a couple of rumors to put out there and discuss so uh, talk us through uh, your thoughts on on what's happening in uh, in boxing and MMA.
0: Yeah, so boxing is, again, it's gone through a bit of a rough time in 2023, I'd say, so far. And I don't know if you boys would agree. Um, we're in a situation whereby we've got a lot of heavyweight fighters making a lot of noise. Tyson Fury probably being the biggest one, um, but, but but not that much action in the heavyweight division. As you just mentioned, there is a couple of rumours floating about on the old Twitter sphere, Um, so we can get stuck into them later. But first of all, let's work past... To present um, and let's look at the uh, the results from, from this weekend's action, this last weekend's action um, we've got three fights taking place all on the same night, all at the same time we've got um, Eddie Hearn's matchroom boxing on zone uh, with um, Mauricio Lara versus Lee Wood, a rematch from their fight a few months ago where Mauricio Lara finished Lee Wood um, at, in, in quite shocking fashion uh, we have then Lawrence Ciccoli against Chris Bellum smith for the WBO Cruiserweight Championship of the World Um, on Sky Sports with Boxer and Ben Shalom Um, and then on um, BT Sport we had Frank Warren's Queensbury uh, Productions Promotions in in association with Top Rank um, where it was Michael Conlon against Lopez, against Luis Alberto Lopez, what turns out to be a very, very dangerous fight. I'll work in reverse order because there's not that much to talk about in terms of the Michael con Luis Alberto Lopez fight. Um, one thing that people always say in the boxing world in MMA, no matter what combat sport it is, do not get into a war with a Mexican um, because you're not going to win. And unfortunately... Michael Conlon found that out firsthand. Um, it was a great fight. It was a fight whereby a lot of people before the fight thought actually Michael Conlon was taking a bit of a risk getting in, in there with with Luis Alberto Lopez, um, and that 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 uh, that that proved to be the uh, the case at the SSE uh, SSE Arena in Belfast. Um, Michael Conlan missing out on another world title um, via stoppage, but from Luis Alberto in the uh, Luis Alberto Lopez in the fifth round. Um, who retains his title, his IBF Championship um, in the featherweight division. So, Michael Conlon now, a couple of losses on the spin. Um, it, it's it's getting difficult now to see that Michael Conlon's going to have a real um, career at top, top level. Um, for me, game plan was wrong from the start. Went in, throwing overhands, not really setting anything up. And again, against a Mexican as dangerous as Luis Alberto Lopez, you're not going to come out with the victory in the end. So there was Alberto Lopez winning by TKO in the fifth round. It was a an uppercut by Lopez that landed on Conlon, just as he was ducking into it as well. Um, and a lot of boxing professionals and experts say that if you duck into a punch while somebody's throwing it, uh, the damage is essentially doubled. So there is no wonder that Michael Conlon went, uh, went tumbling to the mat um, and, and has lost another opportunity for a world title. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. Will he be a gatekeeper in that division? Is he going to be accepting of that? Is he going to want to do something different? Only time will tell. But Michael Conlon, he is an Irish fighter or Northern Irish fighter who don't want to get into too many politics, but... Obviously comes, says he comes from Ireland and, and and the the blood of the Emerald Isle um, would suggest that, that fighting Irishmen do not give up that easily. So I believe we will see Michael Conlon back in the ring very, very shortly or as shortly as you can after a vicious knockout like that. The next fight was... <sighs> a lot less interesting to re- review and a lot less interesting to actually watch and this is the fight that I ended up actually watching um, to my detriment I think to the most part but it was Chris Bellum smith against Lawrence Acoli as I say for the WBO Cruiserweight Championship of the World Um Lawrence Acoli now coming off a bit of a disappointing result against David Light in his last fight. David Light is still suffering the effects of that, and we wish him all the best. Um, but but yeah, Lawrence Acoli has been seen as a as a boxer who got a bit of a boring style, is very, very risk adverse, isn't that marketable in the sense of it's not good to watch him fight. Um, and unfortunately for Lawrence S'Coli, that seemed to not only be the case in this fight as well, um, but um but, but he also lost the fight. It's his first loss in his professional career. Um, before this fight, he was, I believe, 19-0 um, or 18-0, or but obviously, he has got that loss on his record now yeah. against Chris Billam-Smith um, and he is the new WBO Cruiserweight Champion of the world and, it was a difficult fight to watch again, to review. You've got Lawrence Ciccoli throwing a couple of shots, a jab and a right hand and then grabbing on and grabbing on and grabbing on and, and, and didn't seem like he was going to let like, go for dear life. I think he had three points deducted in the end, which is huge. Um, and and a lot of people, including myself, were actually saying that Lawrence Cicoli should have been disqualified. It was quite obvious that he was scared of Chris Bill Smith's power, didn't want to really take that risk, a little bit of risk adverse in that that situation, throw a couple of shots, grab, throw a couple of shots, grab, and you can't do that in boxing. Yes, grabbing and holding and pushing and pressuring is is a good technique when used properly, but you can't just keep going to that well and expecting the referee to just say, okay, that's fine. So it's disappointing. The first couple of rounds, I did think that Lawrence Cicoli was showing that cronk style. Now he is training with Sugarhill Stewart. Um, but unfortunately, he reverted back to type. Uh, Chris smith played it perfectly every single time. He took the shots. He he, he put his hands up as soon as Lawrence Colley put his arms around him. And that was it. The referee split them up. He did no more damage. And Lawrence Colley end again, warning, warning, warning. And then obviously points deducted in the end. Um, the scorecards did read 116, 107, 115, 108. And somehow 112 apiece. Um, by that third judge, I do believe that third judge probably sh- is in the wrong game. To be honest with you, because Chris Bullen Smith did manage to get Lawrence Acoli to the floor a couple of times, two or three times in the fight, uh, with decent shots landed on the inside um, and, 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 on, and on the break, or just, about, just as Acoli was tr- trying to get into hug, um, and he did end up tumbling to the mat a couple of times. Obviously, with the three points deducted as well. That judge is telling us that basically Lawrence O'Connor won every single round where he didn't get a point knocked off or didn't get knocked down, which obviously isn't the case. So, hopefully, we see this in boxing all the time that can be that there are sanctions against that judge. Um, but thankfully, the, the right man won in the end. Chris Bill Smith now is the WBO Cruiserweight Champion of the World in his hometown of Bournemouth. Um Lawrence Ciccoli does have a rematch clause. There is Richard Paul waiting in the wings to potentially fight him as well. So it's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on that division going forward and to see if Lawrence Ciccoli can make a comeback, although I highly, highly doubt it. This, for me was the best event of the night. It was Eddie Hearn's matchroom boxing. It was Mauricio Lara versus Lee Wood, um, and it was a a fantastic fight. Um, Mauricio Lara didn't look his best, and we will come on to that main event in just a second, Um, but we've got a couple of fights to talk about there. Campbell Hatton returning to the ring uh, and winning by fifth-round TKO against Mikhail Bullock. Um, Again, Campbell Hatton should be getting through that type of opponent, but very, very impressive that he came through as he did and hopefully Campbell Hatton can uh, sort of follow in his dad's footsteps and get himself to that world level. Jack Carroll, probably the most Convincing and, and, and impressive performance out of all the boxing on on Saturday night. Jack Catterall winning by unanimous decision 99, 99 89 and ninety seven ninety against Daragh Foley. Um, he was unbelievable. Jack Catterall should have beat Josh Taylor. He got robbed by pretty much everybody's uh, sort of scorecard, um, and he's back in 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 play in terms of world title shot. So hopefully Jack Catterall gets the world title shot he so deserves and wins that belt for Britain as well. We then get to the main event, Mauricio Lara versus Lee Wood. Mauricio Lara unfortunately missing weight um, and even if he'd have won this fight, he wouldn't have retained his championship unfortunately. Um, A very, very weird and and strange fight, this one. Mauricio Lara again coming off of a couple of really good victories against Josh Warrington and obviously Lee Wood in in the first fight Um, but Looked off throughout fight. We came to the weigh in was a little bit too heavy. Missed weight. Had to use the towel. The cut was a little bit brutal, uh, so I hear. Um, and 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 Lee Wood just took advantage of it. Did what he needed to do and and boxed very very cleverly for twelve rounds. Ultimately, Maurizio Lara did look a little bit sluggish, a little bit slow. He looked as though he was sort of stumbling at times, which 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 worried me. Even when he'd not been hit with a shot. But ultimately, in the end, um, it was the right decision. And and Lee Wood. Finished it off perfectly Um, A 12 round fight Fox extremely well on the outside. That's what you need to do against Maurizio Lara. He's proven that he can be down in fights before on the scorecards and knock you at Spark out. um, And that's what he's done before. So, Lee Wood, congratulations. Hats off to you. You are now a world champion again. Got another world champion from the UK. uh, WBA featherweight championship. um, And and, and what a night of fights it was. Maurizio Lara, again, looking a little bit weird, looking a little bit foggy and a a little bit strange. Hopefully he can get back on the horse. Um, and I don't think I'd be opposed to a rubber match between the two either. So, really good weekend of fights, and uh, and 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 sums up a, a very very busy weekend, but a, a weekend of fights that that was very very action packed, which is what we like to see. We now move on to potential future, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this. We've we've, we've heard this week again Tyson Fury barking at Anthony Joshua, calling him out. Don't worry, we're not going to talk about that subject yet again. Uh, I'm as bored talking about it as you guys are listening to it. Um, But it looks as though we now have a potential date for uh, Anthony Joshua to fight Dillian White in the second fight of their potential series. Um, It's going to be taking place, I believe, at the O2 Arena in London. I believe it's booked out. I don't. It's not official just yet, but there are heavy, heavy rumors that that it is booked. AJ signed, White signed, and they will be fighting on the 12th of August at the O2 Arena in London. For me, it's a perfect fight for Anthony Joshua. He's got this fight in in, in Saudi Arabia coming up in December against Deontay Wilder. After his last performance against Derek James, it was quite clear to me that if that version of Joshua goes in the ring against uh, Deontay Wilder, he's probably not going to leave with his head on his shoulders. So um, it's for me perfect that Anthony Joshua is having one another fight to get himself back into the routine, give him more time with Derek James, um, and and hopefully he can uh, he can put in a performance. I believe I have just said as well that Anthony Joshua fought Derek James. He didn't. That's just me still getting over my cold. Um Anthony Joshua fought Jermaine Franklin and, and beat him by unanimous decision under the tutelage of Derek James, who is his trainer and I'm sure Derek James would not want to take this fight in in the time of his life that he's at. So, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic fight, an interesting fight. The first fight was very, very good. Dillian White, the first person really causing Joshua any problems in his entire career. Um, Dillian White is on the slide a little bit, but you can also make that argument for Anthony Joshua as well. So, going to be an interesting fight. Dawson, if it does happen, just a quick one from you. Who can you see coming out on top on this one, Joshua or Dillian White?
2: You would assume, Joshua, you? in no disrespect to Dillian White, I'm sure it will be you know, war and a great fight. But I think the reason they've put that together is for AJ to ultimately warm up a bit more, ready to get back into that sort of top, top tier um, um, sort of fight. Um, but yeah, the rumours are that the O2 has been booked. As you say, the, the rumours are that it will be August 12th that that will take place. So I'm sure it will sell out relatively quickly. I'm sure on the night it will have a lot of British boxing fans excited for it. But again, similar to the conversations we had when AJ went up against Franklin, is that he should win. You, you know what? What's the purpose? Is it a tune-up fight for for a Fury or or a Wilder? And then if he does lose, then what? So I suppose when when it gets closer to August 12th, if that is the if that is the date where it happens. we'll we'll probably end up having quite similar discussions as to what we were having around the Franklin fight.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, you, you, you're spot on um, and ultimately we're in a position now where we've got Joshua who's basically fighting for, for his for his career now, if he loses against Dillian White he's got nowhere else to go, if he loses against Deontay Welder, which I think he will either way, even if he beats Dillian White doesn't fight Dillian White at all um, then, then I believe his career will will probably come to an end after that anyway but he'll have made that one last big paycheck, it'll be a great fight, um, but this one, you know what, as a standalone fight against Dillian White it's a, it's a great fight, Dillian White is over the hill a little bit, really bad Performance against Tyson Fury, and then he's not looked in his, his old self in, in, in recent performances. But ultimately, there's bad blood, blood there. They are one and one technically. I think Dillian White did beat Anthony Joshua in the amateurs. So technically, if you look at the entire course of their career, they are one and one after Anthony Joshua finished Dillian White in the pros and his real step out moment into the into the limelight, a lot of people think. Um, so it's going to be a really, really big fight. And hopefully for Joshua fans, Joshua can get back on the uh, get back on the horse as it were, before the Deontay Wilder fight takes place in December. Um, The only one thing else that I've got to talk about, and I was going to talk about a a UFC event coming up this weekend, Kaikara France, a a really good contender, is fighting um, this weekend. Against Amir Albazi, um, I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but it is a flyweight main event. I think the winner of that, 16-1 and Amir Albazi against 24-10 and Kaikara France, who's got some really good wins under his belt, may be the next contender for the flyweight title or, or one of. Um, so that's a really good fight if you are looking for your MMA fix this weekend. But what I am going to finish on is a little bit different MMA, and that's the return of the ultimate fighter. Um, A lot of people, if you're not a a follower of MMA, might not be aware of what The Ultimate Fighter is. Essentially, it's like a game show, a reality show, where you've got two coaches who are UFC fighters predominantly. Uh, You've got a certain amount of uh, young or amateur or... or sort of struggling pro fighters or wanting to make them out pro fighters um, who who will be uh, sort of in a game show format fighting each other and then the winner gets a UFC contract in the end. Um, the original season of The Ultimate Fighter where it was um, Forrest Griffin against Stefan Bonner um, in the main event, which really... Pushed the UFC to the mainstream in in a lot of ways, and 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 obviously rest in peace to Stefan Bonner, who who tragically passed away earlier this year, or, or I believe it may have been late of last. Um, but yeah, um, Conor McGregor against uh, Michael Chandler, they are the two coaches in the Ultimate Fighter season thirty one, and my God. What a start it got off to. I am going to keep up with the Ultimate Fighter this year and I will keep you up to date, but Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler hopefully going to be fighting themselves in December. Conor does need six months in the USADA testing pool after his little bit of time away uh, to to rest up his leg. Um, A lot of people noticing that there have been some structural changes in Conor McGregor's physiology and his face and his bone structure, um, which would uh, indicate that he's been using uh, certain supplements to uh, to recover from that leg break against um, against uh, Dustin Poirier in, in the previous fight, but that fight will happen. It's not going to happen at the end of the season, as it does sometimes happen on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, but but what a great start we got off to! Um, it's the uh, lightweights, and I believe. Um, Bantam Weights, I think, are in The Ultimate Fighter season 31. Um, but yeah, it, it was a great first episode introducing us to all the, the housemates um, and that little bit of tension between McGregor and Michael Chandler coming up uh, next week as as McGregor, I think, shoves Chandler in episode two. And we really start to get a little bit of a, a taste for, for, for what happens later down the line. So we're going to be keeping a real close eye on that. Um, Conor McGregor against Michael Chandler in The Ultimate Fighter, and then they will pit against one in, against one another in December in a fight. Uh, it's lightweights and bantamweights, as I said. Um, UFC veterans versus UFC prospects, and it's going to be a really really good season. So fingers crossed that we uh, yeah we we get a decent uh, we get a decent season of The Ultimate Fighter and uh, and a good fight at the end of it. So here we go for Kempis Combat Corner, Dawson.
2: Yes, mate, absolutely. Thank you. And we will be back next week with, I'm sure, plenty to talk about. Now, again, before we close off episode 51 with football and the first ever loaded sport end of season awards, it is time to discuss Formula One. Off the back of the Monaco Grand Prix and yet another dominant win for Red Bull and, more specifically, Max Verstappen winning over Fernando Alonso by 28 seconds. Adam. The top five reads, Verstappen, again, dominant win. Alonso getting yet another podium and carrying on his fine start to the season. Ocon getting what's probably considered a surprising um, third place after almost getting pole on Saturday's qualifying. And then an improved performance from Mercedes with Hamilton and George Russell taking fourth and fifth after the major upgrades that they'd announced the the week previous. We're, what, five races in maybe, and it already seems like it's game over in terms of who's going to win the, uh, the, the well, I suppose the constructors and the drivers' championships. But in terms of the rest, Ferrari clearly have dropped off and haven't been where they were this point in the season. Mercedes have started slow, but it seems like they could be back on track now. Where do you think that that leads for the rest of the pack uh, going into Spain this week and then the rest of the season?
3: I think before the season started, George Russell said himself that he thinks that Red Bull are going to win every race this season. And now Max Verstappen's kind of Re- repeated that hasn't he and said himself that he thinks it's just going to be red bull domination and from what I've seen so far you can't really say anything else Monaco throws up one of those where where you start is normally where you finish there's not many overtaking opportunities in Monte Carlo and that pretty much did exactly that uh, Sergio Perez managed to move himself up from 20th to 16th and he even pitted five times in that but I think what he'll add to to play uh, to, to racing in Spain this weekend is he was lapped twice by his teammate the closest that Max to st- Max Verstappen has got, competition-wise this season, is his teammate, and in the last race, he lapped him twice, which makes me believe even more that it's going to be a Max Verstappen season. Um, For Perez, he's going to have a bit extra hunger and desire this weekend to go in there and prove that he he can actually fight alongside his teammate and and bring something extra to this Red Bull team. So I think this weekend, we expect to see a bit more of a retaliation, a bit more of a fight from Perez to get himself, if not on the podium, taking the top step of the podium, and, and maybe bringing Max down a little bit. He needs to close the gap. The gap at the moment is 39 points between the two of them. Um, uh, Perez is currently closer to Alonso in third than he is with Verstappen in first, and that's a situation he can't allow himself to, to worry too much about. Um, Alonso, like you say, has been absolutely phenomenal in that Aston Martin this year. He, I think it's every race, isn't it, now that he's finished on the podium for?
2: I believe so, yeah.
3: So this season, all we've seen pretty much is Max, Checo and Alonso in a, a combination of those three in that order. So it's good to see Ocon get on there and kind of upset the rhythm a little bit. It's good to see that Hamilton and Russell are starting to compete a little bit more under the Mercedes as well. Hopefully that will stir things up for the second half of the season. I think right now those upgrades aren't really knocking on the door of what Red Bull can do. They're they're ahead of Ferrari. They've proven that. Ferrari have had reliability issues. They've had strategic issues over the last couple of years. Otherwise, I'd probably say that they've won one of those two championships that, that Verstappen's won. So... I think for Mercedes now, it's just about building on it and preparing themselves for next season. All the talk and the worry they might have had of Lewis Hamilton leaving at the end of this season and going to Ferrari is pretty much done and dusted now. He's going to stick around for another year or two. And I think that's exactly what they need to keep on pushing forward. Somebody with that experience and that understanding of the car to help them build, to get back to where they were and be a bit more competitive with Red Bull. And hopefully Ferrari can join in as well. And for the neutral, for the people like me that support McLaren and don't really have that sort of Chance to to support somebody at the front of the grid, then uh, then hopefully it's something different that we're going to see. Mate, you've got to stop Absolutely. doing that while I'm trying to talk. It's completely <laughs> putting me off. Um, I did mention there about Spain this
2: upcoming weekend, and it is a track that very different to Monaco. It's open, it's very fast. Is it just yet again a case of which Red Bull driver is going to win, or, or like Ocon in Monaco? Can you know who do you think you would fancy for that surprise podium?
3: Um, I think you've got to go with one of the Mercedes. I know I've just mentioned about how they're improving their cars, but I still think to see them on the podium in Spain would be a bit of a surprise, considering how dominant Red Bull have been and how far ahead of the rest that Fernando seems to be. I think what's letting him down is the fact that Stroll doesn't seem to be matching him, and the Aston Martin should be able to be competitive enough to be fighting for the best of the rest with both cars, not just Fernando Alonso. So it really raises questions as to what Lance Stroll's able to do and his capability we know there's rumours, there's, there's maybe controversial situations surrounding why he's actually in a Formula One seat. We've both spoken about them before, but I think he's just proving at the moment all the doubt is correct. He needs to start matching what his teammates doing and being a bit more competitive and help that Aston Martin, from both aspects, be ahead of the Mercedes, be ahead of the Ferrari, because I think at the moment that's just what's letting them down. Um, As for a surprise, yeah, I'd I'd go with either Lewis Hamilton or George Russell. And it's bad to say Lewis Hamilton finish on a podium is a bit of a surprise.
2: Yeah, it's it's been many, 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 many years and seasons since that would have been a, a valid statement to make. So every race weekend we've predicted the winner, but it's kind of boring. So instead of just giving me who you think will win, give me who takes pole and then give
3: me your top
2: three spots for
3: Spain. I think Perez takes pole. I think Perez then goes on to win the race, and I'm going to go with Max in second. And as much as it's difficult for me to go against Alonso for the element of surprise, I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton in third.
2: Interesting. I'll also take Max for pole. I say also, I will take Max for pole. I'll also take Max winning the race. I'm going to go Lewis getting second and uh, Perez taking third. I think uh, this will be the first race in which Alonso... Uh, doesn't make the podium and it's probably the one race in which he does want to make the podium so i'm sure it'll be good In but i'll uh i'll go max lewis and uh Checo for my podium spots this weekend um so that's f1 for another week and we will discuss what happens in spain next week and hopefully it'll be a little bit more exciting and unpredictable um uh, than spain uh, oh sorry or the monaco but uh, time will tell um after what happens this weekend so Joining us for the football segment and the first ever end of season awards, Sam has joined us. How are you doing, mate? He's he's waving balloons. He's not got a hat on. He's not talking, so I'd better talk. Otherwise, it's just silence because the camera might not pick you up.
1: Can
2: you hear me? Can you hear you now, yeah. But we couldn't hear if you were playing some
1: music. Oh well, that's got that down an absolute joke, isn't it? <laughs> I think that was meant to be
0: a triumphant musical entrance for Sam, but unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's quite worked. Unfortunately, but there you go. I'll play "We Are the Champions."
2: Oh, uh, okay. So, well, um, obviously, we we do our locks with scorers and the wild cards, and last weekend was the last uh, selection process of the season. The spreadsheet is now reset. But out of all four of us, Sam came out on top with a fifty-nine percent success rate for the locks, scorers, and wildcards. So uh, that is yeah, why he's yeah. coming, in a sellers yeah, a, a very big boot. effort
0: with the
1: balloons as well, isn't it? We already right. had them. We already had them <laughs> to the fair. <laughs> <way.
2: laughs> <laughs> Bullshit! You ordered them
1: specifically. But uh, Sam, how you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, good, mate. Good. A uh, little bit of a shake up on the on today's show, but uh, we move. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good, mate. Good. Champion, Thomas. first champion of the. Uh, the listener locking, so get in. We'll
2: have some of that. That's it. Well, uh, the listener locking probably won't return, but the locks will still remain a five ten minute fixture. So uh, I'm sure each of us will be coming for uh, for those balloons uh, next year. So well, I would <laughs> I would say crown, but unfortunately we didn't have one. Excuse but uh, had a week
1: off, mate. How's it been? You enjoyed it? Yeah, very good, mate. Very good. Obviously Wednesday, I we went to uh, went to Manchester to see Coldplay, which was an incredible experience at the the home of the Premier League champions, the Etihad in uh, in Manchester. Um, very busy, very busy. Elton John were also in town at the arena. Um, obviously, a train strikes, so hectic everywhere. Hectic getting in and getting out. But yeah, Coldplay, absolutely unbelievable there. And obviously, you're going Saturday, aren't you? And I think oh, you'll yeah. be giving for a right treat, mate Wait till uh, Sky Full of Stars starts. Think you'll be. I think you'll be going. Mate, I'll be
2: going at Fix You I know because that's number oh, one song I want to see you. live. So but, uh, I'll be gone at that. But anyway, we'll I'll we'll be
0: going at Yellow for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: save it. Um save it for after dark episode. But uh, he's looking confused, you'll have to tell him after. Um, yeah. But before you mentioned they're the home of the Premier League champions and could um be after this weekend the home of the FA Cup champions as well. But I'll come back to you a little bit later on to get your thoughts on that game this season. And Aggie's just got it. The penny's just dropped. But uh, Aggie, I'm going to come to you first of all. Uh, We will go around the room and and bring in your thoughts, Sam and Kent. But we'll we'll start with Aggie. Uh, With the outcome of the Premier League season, the top of the table was all decided. Europe was pretty much done other than some... The potential for some crazy results but the main story going into Sunday's final fixtures was who were going to be the final two teams to go down alongside Southampton Everton Leicester and Leeds were the three teams that could potentially take those final two spots and after defeat um, Leeds and Leicester oh sorry not defeat because Leicester won but um, Leicester and Leeds were the two teams to go down and Everton survived so Aggie, talk us through it. We had a lot of discussions around sort of Everton and Sean Darge for obvious reasons with him being the Chesterfield legend that he is, but uh, he just about got the job done.
3: Yeah, he, he managed to get him over the line and I think I've mentioned when Everton sacked Frank Lampard that he was the right man to come in and, and save them um, and I expected it to have happened well before the last game of the season to be fair. Uh, what he did with Burnley was phenomenal, but he mainly worked his way up through defensive football and mainly keeping clean sheets, because you know that way, obviously, you're guaranteeing yourself a point. And Everton looked a lot more solid defensively when he took over, and I think that's obviously played a huge part in them them working their way up. For next season, they really need to get themselves a striker. Calvert-Lewin is not the answer. And they need to get some more creativity in the middle of the park for themselves to try and move themselves back up to mid-table security. This has been too many seasons now, that a side that we know synonymous with the Premier League is risking themselves and falling out just because they're unable to, to bring in the right players. And I know Everton fans will tell you that goes a lot higher than the board and they obviously know more about it than I do, but I think that's something that they really need to look at. Otherwise, they're at risk again of next season being in a very similar situation. Leeds, for a while, just hadn't been good enough, which is a shame because they've got quite a few players there that I think have the Premier League ability. And you could say the same about Leicester, really. I mean, they lost a lot of their players last season. I think from the side that won the Premier League, there's only two players actually still within that Leicester side. And one of those I mentioned to you, Skin, is Albrighton and he's out on loan. The other one is Jamie Vardy and his appearances are very few and far between at the moment. So, yeah, they they obviously got relegated in the end of it. And the question I've got for you guys, I don't mind who answers it first, is of the Premier League teams that are still within the Premier League, who is more likely to be looking for in those three sides that have gone down for players? Because you've got to look at the ability of players that have gone down. James Ward-Prowse, of course, playing for England now. James Madison, Harvey Barnes, um, maybe even Jamie Vardy, if people are looking that way. Um, Looking at at Leeds, there's always a couple of players there that people have been looking at. Maybe even Patrick Bamford for a goal scorer for maybe an Everton side. I don't know if if there's anybody in particular that you think that people have got to be looking at.
1: Yeah, I think... no, I'll, I'll, no, not no.
3: Yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't rate Patrick Bamford
1: at all. I think he's an absolute fraud of a Premier League footballer. How oh, he's got an England cap. I'll never know. So that's my opinion on Patrick Bamford. I can't stand, I can't stand the bloke. Um so I think he's going rightfully down to the championship where he belongs, get him down the rat. Um red dog, isn't he? Red dog, mate, he's a red dog. He played for Darwin and fucked us off and joined Forest. He was shit for us and good for them, so we ate him. Um yeah, so <laughs> I, I think he's an absolute fraud of a footballer myself. though. I, I don't, I don't think there'll be many Premier League teams coming in for him. Uh, Leicester players, however, I think the there will be a, quite a few. Um, the the player that Dewsbury Hall he's been linked with. Um, yeah, is it is it Brentford? Fulham, I think Fulham might be in for him and.
0: Uh, like the one ones that stands out for me, there you mentioned. You mentioned Madison and, and and whoever else in that side, and and Dewsbury Hall. but Harvey Barnes is the one for me. Mm. He's, he's a young kid still. He's I think he's only twenty four, twenty five, um, just about to hit his footballing prime. Um, and for me, he's shown a lot of ability, and, and he's probably been the only bright spark in Leicester's season, in my opinion. So I think well, he's, he's been, been like a with Newcastle been yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's a good fit. I think if you're a top ten, top six club, you've got to be sniffing around Harvey Barnes. I think there are a few decent players in there, but the, the problem with 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 you, Leicester's and, and whatever Sam, and, and you're just going on to talk about there. And I don't know if there's anybody else you can think of that probably decent investing in in Leicester or that He's not been guys. mentioned. Yeah, he's, well, he's been released, isn't he? Been released. He's been released. Yeah. Big wages, though. Big wages, though, I imagine, for your team, but, yeah, you look at a team like Leeds, and a lot of players came in kind of from the American setup. You know, Aronson, I think, is one of those players, um, among others. Um, I think you are going to struggle with Jesse Marsh no longer being in situ there, and that culture no longer being being there. Um, And even Sam Allardyce today has come out that he's not going to be taking the Leeds job either. So, with the unrest there, you, you may think that quite a few of those Leeds players may return to maybe the MLS or something like that mm. so going to be difficult Tyler to Adams in as in. well he's a good player Kyler in Tyler Adams, Adams as well yeah yeah, I, yeah. I rate um, him. is he going to be going back to the MLS or maybe even in the, the I, Red I Bull I think
2: he's too good I think I, do. I, I, think, maybe, I think so well.
0: Well, well that's why I say maybe in the Red Bull setup because I know he has been sort of linked to that before and Jesse Marsh obviously was in the Red Bull setup as well so so could that potentially happen but for me um, as a Sheffield United fan obviously we've just been promoted to the Premier League I do think there will be a few gems in there that we could probably afford to to have a quick look at um, and hopefully we can snap up a couple, maybe on free contracts because we've got no money to spend, so there you go. Um, but hey, knowing my look as a Sheffield United fan, we'll probably sign the, the best striker in the Premier League, Wout Feiss. So there you go.
2: I'm gonna say what well, about Vegas then and to yeah. say I'll tell you what, that'd be a great No, day. Even Well Price has team. scored more goals than Well Vegas, let me tell He has, yeah, and, and that is an absolute true fact. But uh, you obviously one
0: question Dawson, just, the... just, just before you carry on, sorry, sorry, really sorry to interrupt, but Regal. I want to ask Adam this question before we do move on. Adam, you mentioned there about Everton and your boy Sean Dyke's Chesterfield legend. Um, you mentioned there about them needing to sign a striker and whatever. The financial situation at Everton is tetchy, to say the least. Mm. They've got the new stadium being built, financial fair plays, being very, very close to being breached numerous times. Um, how do you think they're going to be able to invest enough money or wisely enough to get make sure that they're not in this same situation that they've been in the last couple of years?
3: That's what I mean. It's going beyond the manager, isn't it? It's going higher up. And that's what a lot of Everton supporters are unhappy with and, and constantly going on about, and understandably so. I think they're going to have to upload some players. Like I said, Calvert Lewin isn't the answer. I'm sure they can get a, a bit of money for him. I'm sure players like Michael Keane can also go out the door. There are a number of players in that Everton side that are surplus, and they could easily get a little bit. of Can Dominic to...
0: Calvert-Lewin command a big transfer fee after the injury woes that he's had? I, I mean, to be honest, the last couple of seasons he's barely been able to feature. He's been that. He's that being you know that injury plagued. I wouldn't Who say can a huge amount. Out for him? What can you see that you know? How do you see that?
3: I wouldn't say a huge amount, but I think a side that's just come up to the Premier League, not necessarily in Sheffield United, but. Aside, maybe even if Burnley started looking around for another striker, you know, someone that I don't think it's going to demand a big enough transfer fee to change things around for Everton. But I think it's a step in that sort of direction. They've got to offload some players to create those funds. And like, like you Pickford. say, Pickford, I think that's going to be a case. He's he's a to him, but he's like going even to go.
2: someone like Man United that want to play from the back, and you know, Hay's weaknesses uh, is a lot of the time been around sort of his footwork and distribution. So. Uh, I would I would be more surprised if he's still at Everton next year than I would if he if he moves. So I don't
3: think that's something they're gonna to want to offload though. I think that's a case of, you know, a bigger yeah. team's come in, he's got this opportunity. Yeah, I see Pickford as a key player for them, to be honest. I agree. I agree. I don't think it's gonna be a case if they want to get rid of him. That's what I mean. If somebody comes in with a big mm. offer from a side higher up the Premier League, they're not really gonna have much of a choice either. They're gonna to have to let him go, get get the funds in and of course you don't want to upset the squad by keeping a player from realising his potential and I think within that Everton side, as much as he does keep getting selected for England, that's where the question marks are. If he does, like you say, go to a Manchester United, I think it opens the door for people realising that he, he could still be England's number one, whereas people are now questioning whether he should be whilst he's in the struggling Everton side. Yeah, yeah, it's always fair, so is fair case. and I'm, I'm
0: sure we'll talk about that in the uh, in the season preview when a lot of, when a bit of transfer business is done. Dawson, sorry to interrupt, you mate continue. You,
2: you're right, mate. You're absolutely fine. It's all it's all good chat. Um, Kent, before I come back to you to discuss the playoff finals across last weekend, Sam, just very quick question for you: highest of the century. Big Sam, four games,
1: five hundred grand, <laughs> to losing three. What do you reckon? It's not, it's not bad biz. I think we're in the wrong job, aren't we? It's uh, <laughs> it coming. It's coming. with absolutely no expectation whatsoever. He's he's an absolute chunker, of, chunk of their money that they couldn't really afford to give, and uh, yeah, it's parted ways. So fair play to him. I'm, I'm all for it, but I think it were a bit, uh, a little bit short sighted. Leeds. you will be it's drinking
0: spotless. the finest New Zealand wine by the pint and busting some shapes on the <laughs> dance floor on leads, uh, on tickets. So there you go. <laughs>
2: And he looked like he was enjoying it along the way. That West Ham game where he found uh, that note on the floor and and cheekily offered it to the fourth official. I don't know if you saw that clip, but uh, yeah, he enjoyed it. Does
0: he after that paycheck?
2: He he certainly doesn't. And and his, his, you know, his legacy hasn't been impacted. Let's be honest, because again, four games. What can you do in that time? But anyway, um, Kent playoff finals. Luton, Carlisle and, or should I say Luton, well, no, actually I will save it for the end. Luton, Carlisle and Sheffield Wednesday uh, were the playoff winners across league football. Now, I think if you include the National League final as well, which was obviously very early, Knox County won on penalties, um, Luton won on penalties, Carlisle won on penalties and Sheffield Wednesday went through with a 123rd minute winner. So overall across the four playoff finals in the English football pyramid, Not including, obviously, uh, National League North and South. Very, very, very close games between the finalists.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned it, Dawson, quite a few times in different parts of the year. It's your favourite part of the year or favourite time of the year or favourite weekend of the year or favourite day of the year. I can honestly say, in terms of in terms of football and in terms of the calendar, the playoffs are actually my favourite time of the year. Um, I love the playoffs. I love the semi-finals. I love it that much that I went to a, an EFL, um, well, not even an EFL, a Vanarama National League North playoff game uh, (laughs) not so long back it wasn't great was it? it No, It wasn't brilliant, but I love the playoffs that much. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, um, it's it's fantastic. Anybody suggesting that the playoffs should be binned or, or whatever it might be. I heard Jamie O'Hara on Talk Sport come out with some absolute bollocks after Peter Rae beat Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday yeah. 4-0. About, what
2: was what was his proposal? Like third place oh, should go straight to the final? Third place should go
0: straight through to the final and all this shit. It's like, yeah, but then you take that amazing comeback away from those Sheffield Wednesday fans, which to be fair, I wouldn't mind. But you look at it in that respect and, you, you know, it's a two-leg semi. It's a final. It's at Wembley. It gives an opportunity to teams that may not get to Wembley apart from that. Um, it's it's brilliant. And again, it's the best thing about English football. Or one of the best things about English football for me is the playoffs. And, and this season, 2023's playoffs, most certainly did not disappoint. Um, as you mentioned there, the League 2 playoff. Salford against... Uh, Stockport, sorry, not, against, Stockport Carlisle. against Carlisle. That's right. Um yeah, what what a game that was! It, it was nip and tuck, it was tight. Um, and again, as you say there, Dawson, it went to penalties, and uh, and Carlisle got got the win, got got the big dub, and uh, and they found themselves back in uh, back in League One. So congratulations to them. And It sounds as though it's been a, a good season for them, and, uh, and and congratulations to them. But yeah, it was a very good game to to to, to get us cracking uh, on that Saturday. Um, the Friday, I believe, was the Championship. No, the Saturday was the Championship. Sunday was League Correct. Two. Monday was League One, which is a bit Correct. stupid. I think they should have it do it back to front or front to back, not in the middle. But there you go. That's just semantics uh, that, that you can talk about there. But yeah, the uh, the Championship. Um, playoff, uh, playoff final was awesome as well. Luton against Coventry either way, either of those teams y- you would have been happy to see probably in the Premier League as a neutral um, both teams have had a fantastic turnaround especially Coventry in the past few years with Mark Robbins at the helm um, and I think it was a very very close game um, but, but Luton to be fair the dream, the meme that was all over Twitter, this is what it looks like going into their away end well I think if a few Premier League teams have got a bit of a shock when they go down to, to Luton's ground, Kenilworth Road next season in the Premier League, and hopefully Luton can uh, can can stay up. And uh, if they if they can't stay up, hopefully they can beat Derby's uh, points total, and we can keep Derby <laughs> keep Derby on that low plateau that they deserve to be at. Um, we then come to the League One playoff final, which uh, yeah, mixed emotions most definitely because obviously as a Sheffield United fan, it would have been very very nice to see. For the first time in my entire life, um, Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday, two divisions apart, it would have been very, very nice to, to see that for the bragging rights. But as you say, there, Dawson, Josh Windass in the 123rd minute, I think it was, it yeah. was so close to penalties. It was three minutes added on, and the ball in the back of the on. net
2: at 122.58. So, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it yeah. was pretty much the last kick of the game,
0: yeah. And uh, I'll be honest, I was literally just about to get off my seat to go make myself a drink for penalties. And then and then the ball hit the back of the net and that was it. Wednesday are up and you know what? Fair play to them. I think they took forty four thousand. Which you know, Wednesday fans when it really matters, they, they definitely turn out. I think they only get an average attendance for about seventeen thousand. But you know what? When it matters, they really do turn out. So fair play to them. Um, but but yeah, they are back in the championship. Fingers crossed they they don't survive uh, and they go tumbling back down to League One again. But. What 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 a weekend it was. What a fantastic weekend in, in, in the playoffs. and All three of my playoff final predictions uh, lost, which is fantastic, but, but what can you do? Um, just before we do move on to whatever you've got next for us, Dawson, I just want a very, very quick round the room. If you did see all of the games or whichever games you saw or whichever highlights you saw, um, what do you think each of you, Dawson, starting with you? Which game do you think was the best and the most compelling game in the playoffs over the weekend?
2: I watched all of them, and I would have to say the Luton game. We mentioned last week about how it was a nice change. It wasn't the usual suspects. Coventry had been there before. Luton hadn't, and the the promotions that each of those teams had been through. And I'll be honest, I was expecting quite a cagey game, and despite the fact that it ended up with penalties, it was very end-to-end, and it was two teams that really wanted to go all out and and give it their all. So I I would put that as, as the top of the list for me, as the highlight of the playoff weekend.
0: Yeah, two teams that also made quite a lot of mistakes as well and let each other in on from time yeah. to time. So uh, I do think and I do see a lot of people you know kind of going against Luton in that respect and saying if they play how they did in the playoff final they won't pick up any points in the Premier League, which I think is quite funny, but uh, but but there you go, we'll have to wait and see.
3: Adam, come to you next. I didn't see any of the games. It was Eleanor's birthday weekend, so football now, was magically banned. Birthday
2: weekend Shelton John or what?
3: Well yeah, she gets a full weekend. But yeah, um I think I don't I don't know though do i from not watching them but I think the Luton Coventry one had the the biggest potential for me I know there was a Yorkshire derby between Wednesday and Barnsley but two sides that before the season started really nobody expected to be in and around the playoffs let alone in the playoff final at Wembley against each other so. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's fair, fair enough, and, and like you say, it, I, I can see why that, that was the most compelling fixture on the outside of it. Dawson, you mentioned Elton John there, um, as, it, as it pertains to your team there, Chesterfield in the background, Adam, I think it's going to be a long, long time before uh, they get back into the EFL playoffs, but there you go. Uh, Sam, finally, with you. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm also going to echo
1: Adam here. I'm not saving this, this segment at all. It's pretty poor content, but unfortunately, I didn't see a, <laughs> a minute of any of the games I had oh. a pretty hectic weekend last weekend. And, uh, yeah, probably should have really looked looked up before I jumped on here. But, unfortunately, same as Aggie, I have actually not seen a minute of any of the three playoff games. Which I one, which one
0: shocked one. you the biggest? Which one shocked you
1: the biggest? <laughs> probably Carlisle. I picked them. It was a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek pick, I must admit. Just going against the green and it kind of come in. I will say I do prefer the Championship being first on that Saturday. Purely for the fact that it's three games in three days, that pitch won't hold up by the third game. And I think if you have the, the best footballing team in the you know, Championship, League One and League Two, you're going to say you're going to get the best football out of the Championship teams. So I do yeah, think I get that. giving them the fresh pitch, then you're absolutely right. It then should be League One. And it then yeah. should, it makes no sense having the two, then the one. So yeah, That's I'm, the all thing for, for me. I'm all for going Championship first, 100%. But then it has to go down from there, surely. And yeah, so I must agree with you there
0: yeah I agree and you know what you make a really good point in terms of the quality of the pitch when when the League 2 teams do get on it no offence to League 2 and there's been some good football in League 2 in the past but the chances are that the most action will probably be seen in both boxes in terms of just lumping over that middle bit in the middle that not many people venture to so there you go but yeah it was great playoffs were great and and long may it continue and looking forward to the 2024 playoffs already
2: I do, uh, I do just want to give a quick shout out. Uh, Luton's captain Tom Lockyer, the uh, centre back, collapsed in the first half. Quite concerned at the time, uh, he was taken to hospital, and then pictures came out after the game of him and watching the rest of the game and celebrating with his family in the hospital bed. Um, and I do believe that he's he's due to be coming out um, today, if not over the weekend. So glad to hear that that he's okay. Because yeah, at the time it was it was quite stressful for the Luton players and. That took up most of the talk, as it rightly should, during the half-time sort of punditry because you know, football is put to one side once that happens. So good to hear that he, he seems to have recovered. And I'm sure very, very happy to have seen uh, his teammates see out the win and he can come back ready for a season in the Premier League. But yeah, it's uh, it, it'll be great to finally see that meme come to life of Kenilworth Road and all the teams and all the superstars turning up in Going through people's back gardens to get to the changing rooms and all that kind of stuff. But uh, that's it's, just what's the, it's, just,
1: it's just the away end,
0: isn't it? I think the players will yeah, be going the right. it, it is, just the way at the away end.
2: Yeah, that's. Uh, well, there that's right, but there is also
0: on that on that basis that I think there are going to have to be some uh, developments done to uh, yeah. Kenilworth Road before it can be a Premier League game. So there are rumours about potentially ground share with MK Dons if that's not, not finished in time. But hey ho, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. And again, it's something we can discuss on the season preview, I'm sure. Well, just, just opening up that subject just a tiny bit before Dawson changes uh, changes
1: us over. Um, do you think that can kind of be a bit dangerous for Luton? So if they say invest invest heavily in, in the stadium infrastructure. And then you know there's there's a very real chance to go straight back down next year. They put all this money in, and then they will they'll lose the TV rights to the Premier League. Do you think that puts uh, unnecessary pre- financial pressure on on them?
2: I've seen um, reports about what work they're looking to do that would get them up to standard, and it would cost excuse me, it would cost ten million. Is is the money quoted? So I suppose with the figures that they get for going up, the TV rights and everything else, I'm sure they shouldn't, in theory, notice that too much. So To begin with, there'd also be parachute
3: payments as well, wouldn't there, from if they got relegated from the Premier League? Yeah, and I suppose it's also one of them things where actually it
0: probably helps with the infrastructure long term for Luton. I'm sure even the most ardent of Luton supporters will probably not think that they've got that much of a chance in terms of staying up, um, just from where they've been and got to. Um, but 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 ultimately they're in a position now where yes they might go up and yes they might come back down again. But if they come back down with a better stadium, more money next time, they might be able to have a bit more of a sufficient go at it. So it's all good for Luton. And, and like you say, Sam, there your, your thoughts are absolutely right in terms of the the, the, you know keeping Luton in the league or or keeping them financially stable Um, but you know what they've been a really really well run club over the past few years and that's that's you know that's evident so fingers crossed that can that can remain the same when they go up and potentially come down from the Premier League as well You've got to be a well
1: run
2: club to get five promotions in nine seasons haven't you it's the football manager dream and when was the last time we saw anything like that you know certainly in this country so fair play to them and, and what they've done over the last few years but uh That's last weekend and we're now looking at to this weekend. Domestic football uh, from a league standpoint is now finished and we have the FA Cup final, Manchester City versus Manchester United at Wembley. They are one uh, and one this season. Manchester City winning 6-3 in October. Manchester United getting a win back 2-1 at Old Trafford in January. So they're heading to this FA Cup final, one apiece for the season and Manchester City facing their second leg of their road to the treble with a Champions League final against Inter Milan coming up. So Sam, talk us through it. Is it a foregone conclusion that Manchester City will win their second trophy of the season or do are Manchester United the one team that you think could pose them the toughest test in lifting the FA Cup final. Uh, lift, lifting the FA Cup
0: trophy, sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, potentially it it would be a United one. It. I just want to first start off this this subject by holding my end up. I I dropped the ball over the last week or so, saying the FA Cup final was being played after the Champions League final, which we obviously we've, we've all done
2: it, mate. We've all done it. So uh, I don't think you have to be accountable for that because we've all at some point quoted that and and based our <clears> discussion <throat> and opinions on that. So. Yeah, it's uh, it would
1: have been nice. I think it would have would have put a, a bit extra spice on the game. But yeah, uh, in terms of United, it's going to be very difficult for them to cancel the noise out. On it's it's not become about them winning the FA Cup anymore. It's become about stopping them do the treble, which is mind blowing when you think about the club, the size of United competing yeah. for a massive trophy, FA Cup, one of the most trophies you can win at any level of football. And and they're talking about City not winning the treble with it, not them winning it themselves, which is yeah, I think that's a bit crazy. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. Foregone conclusion. Um, I think if there were one team you had to pick to go against City in that one game, I think it would be United. Not not because they probably you that you know you're the, you're gonna they're gonna give them every single ounce of effort to win that trophy and to again stop them winning the treble. Um, yeah, it's it's one that I've been looking forward to for a long time. I'm actually looking forward to it a lot more than the Champions League final, which I I don't know about you. I mean, you I know you are United anyway. But when was the last time you can think of looking forward to an FA Cup final more than the Champions League final?
2: from a neutral perspective. I had it's probably been many many a year since a
1: neutral fan would have would have had that thought. So mm, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's what's one I'm definitely looking forward to. I've had it earmarked since uh, since United beat. Brighton on penalties in the semis, so yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's uh, yeah, that that's. I think that's going to be star for me. I reckon. I've seen Katie uh, highlighted there were there were singer on it about seven. Now, well, I'm definitely going to be there or thereabouts at three o'clock to make sure cheering on United.
2: Yes, mate, get settled in about half two, get you, get a pint in, get your second one brought ready for kickoff at three and uh, enjoy the sunset. But uh,
1: let's go around the
2: room then. Let's put our names to a, a score prediction. Uh, Sam, we might as well start with you. Manchester City, Manchester United, FA Cup final. What's your score? Score? Oh, oh,
1: dear me. 3-2 United. Okay. 3-2 United.
0: Very, very interesting. Kemp, what about yourself? What have you got? You know what? I'm disappointed because I genuinely thought for a second then I was going to be, oh,
1: woo, then Wolf.
0: <laughs> However, I've also got Manchester United to win. That's I'm okay. going 2-1 to Manchester United. Mm. I think that City really, really are gearing up for the Champions League final, which is understandable, the one they've never won, the one they really want. Um, but... I was sort of on the fence about this one, but I saw Eric Ten Hag's press conference. I think it might have been today or yesterday. And a reporter asked him about, you know, whether they wanted to stop the treble or whatever it might be. And Eric Ten Hag literally just turned around and said, listen, it's a trophy. We want it. We think it's ours. We're going to do our best to make sure that it's ours. Um, And he seems very, very confident. So, you know what? United, even though they might not want to admit it, they really, really are going to want to stop this treble. And to be honest with you, I think they may potentially do it. So, yeah, I'm going to go Man United 2-1.
2: Okay, so both of you have gone for a a goal or one goal um, deficit for Manchester United. I'm going to go Man City. Uh, Manchester United, for for me, uh, it's been a very good season. I'm expecting bigger and better things next season, but I just think with the place mentally Man City are at at the moment, they are going to have too much. Uh, Ten Hag, I don't know if any of you lads saw it, did a brilliant um, speech on the pitch. You know how they always do last game of the season. they, They sort of address the fans and address the players He's revved up for it. There's absolutely no doubts where they're going to be, but I just think where Man City are at at the moment, at this point, they're just too strong. So I'll go Manchester City winning three-one. Um, just on, on that, Saturday. just before
1: just probably finish, with Aggie. um do you um, do you think it helps or hinders United the fact that obviously City have had quite a poor run-up to this game, the loss, the last game of the season? Yeah. Um, do you think they would City would have benefited? from playing the Champions League final first or the FA Cup final first? Which one do you think benefits United more? Because obviously, if they've they've played the Champions League final first and they've won it, there's always that danger of a possible hangover. They've done the big one. They've done the one they've cared about. The next game isn't quite as, you know, they've won the FA Cup. Uh, Do you think, you know, you know what I'm saying there? Yeah,
2: I think it benefits, it would have benefited United more if it was that third game. Because you know the Champions League finals in Istanbul, so they would have had to travel there, come back, taking that into account as well. Like you say, the the mental pressure that's lifted off. I think I think the pressure is on Man City to win the Champions League more than it's on them to win the treble. So I, yeah. I think I think it would have it would have benefited United more if it was that third game taken into account, that and the travelling and everything else. So I, I yeah, like I said, I, I just think with where Man City are at currently, the fact that they haven't had to travel to Istanbul and come back yet, the fact that. I, I I don't think United have got anything to lose in this game, it, mm. you know. And and again, I think Manchester City have got more to lose by losing the Champions League final than they have by not winning the treble. Um, I think if if Man United win this weekend and then Man City win the Champions League, Man City won't care. People won't care if Man City lose the FA Cup final and then lose the Champions League final. There's going to be a lot of spotlight on that. But I just think Manchester United are going into this very under the radar. They've got nothing to lose, whether they win or lose this game. If they if they lose, everyone or well, well, the majority of people are expecting Man City to win anyway. anyway, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, I do still think with where Man City are at, they they've got the advantage um, at the moment. And do you think yeah, there's a danger
1: they... of um, do you think there's a danger of potential rust with City? Obviously, like I say, they've rested the probably the last two games, they've rested players and they've not performed well with the when the players that they have played. And then yeah. they into this game against United pretty cold now. That play a part of
2: it. I think when you get to a certain level, you don't have to worry about it too much. I I, I just think they'll they'll be ready personally, and and I think they'll have too much. I, I think with the the level that they're at, the preparation they have, the manager that Pep is, his expectations. I don't really think that will have much of an impact on them personally, and I think it's good for them to have had a bit of a rest. But Aggie, as is usually the way with loaded sport, we do tend to be split pretty much down the middle when it comes to predictions. I'm currently set on my own on the Manchester City side. Two people, Sam and Kemp, over on the Manchester United side. Probably wouldn't have predicted that three picks in. But uh, where are you putting your name to with the FA Cup final?
3: I am putting my name to a 2-0 win to Manchester City. I were very close to going United, but Sam going for United and the whole curse makes me think that it is going to go City's way. Um, no, I nice. think they're just too good attacking-wise. And as you mentioned, then a little bit of rust. I think whilst they've had him on the bench, they've used quite a bit of squad rotation for these last couple of games. It's not like the players haven't featured. Haaland's still been playing half an hour, 25 minutes. They've still been getting game time to make sure that rust doesn't settle in. And I think Guardiola sets his sides up to make sure they can avoid missing these games. That's why their squad depth has been so important in previous seasons because even their bench is quite a strong setup for mm. them. So, yeah, I think he rotates on a more than regular basis to make sure that this sort of thing doesn't happen. They've still got a week until the Champions League final to, to prepare themselves for that afterwards. I think it's just going to be a case of another trophy in the bag for them. And I think their attack is so much stronger than Manchester United's defence. And I think defensively they're so... Uh, They're so uh, compact, they're so organised and they're so disciplined that I think it'll be difficult for Manchester United to attack to break them down. We'll
1: we'll go on the flip side of that coin then. Uh, The fact that they have featured in these games and Mm -hmm. they've still lost these games and still haven't looked good in these games and they've got their minutes under the belts during them games, do you not think that'd, that'd hinder them at all?
3: Yeah, I think it'd certainly be a concern, but I think the way Guardiola's worked as a manager is he's prepared players for big games. So in these sort of fixtures, they are ready for it, their heads are set on it, and they know they need to focus and get down and and play the Manchester City way that seems to have worked for them so far this season to get them into these two finals and win them the Premier League. So, yeah, I don't think it would be great in the lead-up, but I think as a manager, Guardiola knows how to prepare his players for these sort of games, and the fact that it's a derby day I think for them, it'll just be a little bit more fuel to the fire to, to get them over the line for the supporters. You don't think United will score at all? No, I think City's defence is too strong. While United do have a, a, a good attack, I think Martial's out for it. Rashford's just coming in off the back of an injury. I think City's defence is just too strong for United's attack. And I think if City don't score, then it's going to extra time and potentially even penalties. I just can't see a way in which Manchester United score. So I expect them to be at least 2-0 up at half-time.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm not sure I agree with the uh, not scoring. I mean, I know Anthony looks like he's almost certainly out. He was quite a bad, quite a bad one. Yeah, um, his ankle's done. Martial, I've not heard the latest on him. I know he will quite touch and go. I think he's out. He's out. I think he's out. I think he's out. Yeah. Rashford, on the other hand, is completely opposite. He's he's back from injury now. That's what I'm he's, saying he's just had... come back from injury. Just come back from injury, but it, but he's um he's, he's been for, what four four or five games now since since he's come back. So he's had he's had plenty of minutes so I think it, this sort of game is prime for Rashford. You you just know it's gonna be eleven men behind Ball for United breaking on rapid counter attack. Rashford will probably spearhead the, the line up or maybe even Val you reckon uh, vegas could probably could <laughs> I think I them. think with how
2: Sancho's been playing, I think you're you're looking at Sancho, Rashford, um Bruno out on right yeah Bruno on right potentially so I, I think that would be the, the sort of the, the line up for the game. Yeah. my, 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 my
0: Go on. No, go on, mate. You all right? No, I was just going to say fucking no. um With with City, and obviously how they like to control the ball, control possession, United have got to make sure that midfield is, is packed. You've got to make sure that there's no space in there for De Bruyne and Gundogan to operate. So for me, you've got to get somebody like Fred in there with Casemiro. I know Fred's yeah. not the best player in the world, but he's a workhorse. and He's been, been good this season. <laughs> yeah, it's so been, you've got been, to get Fred. Yeah, Fred Casimiro and then Eriksen maybe just sat in front of them. And then I think on that right-hand side, you can have Bruno Fernandes. This is in one of those games where Bruno Fernandes can play out there. And then the vast majority of the attacking threat coming down the left with Rashford with Marshall up front. So it won't surprise me if that's how they, they're set up to really Martial's out, out mate, I think. We just said oh, is he? I think he's out. Yeah, it's probably going to be Sancho coming in. Oh, right. OK, so Rashford, Rashford up, up front. Yeah, Sancho on the left and then mm-hmm. Bruno on the right. Yeah, fair, fair enough. And uh, to didn't, didn't clock on to that's who you were talking about. I thought you were still talking about Anthony, but fair enough. But yeah, I think Ten Hag definitely needs to pack out that midfield. And fingers crossed for, for, for your boys' perspective, he, he does that. Well, Well, on that, on that note, do you think this is the
1: prime sort of game for your man, Val? That ghost is 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 gonna come in there. It's probably gonna if it would were gonna play, he'd probably playing that that cam role say Erickson sort of role. Um or even play up top and maybe stick Rashford out on, on you know on the side and and lead lead that high press or you know, because it because does a lot of the, the
0: dirty work. Yeah, he yeah, does. He does. does, but no, I mean I I've 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 joked for, for quite a few months now about Meg horse being being rate good and whatever it might be. Um I think this is a nightmare game for Outwork horse, to be honest with you. When you've got a really physical centre off like like Diaz, you know, up your back, pushing you, shoving you about. Yes, oh. the out course does like to run about and, and do the dirty work. But ultimately, you look at that and you think that with a physical centre-half there, stopping him doing what he needs to do, stopping him kind of kind of taking advantage of those situations and pressing on the ball, how composed is City playing out from the back? They're unbelievable. Mm, it's like yeah. they, they, they don't give a shit. It's like they, they play a pass, and every time I see a pass like that anywhere else in the world, not just at Bramall Lane, I'll think, oh, you're a bit risky doing that, you know, a little bit of a genev but when you're passing it out of there, you know when Man City players Ake, Akanji, Diaz, all passing it out from the back, they just look like a centre midfielders. Yeah, they all look like a centre midfielders spraying the ball about. So no, I don't think this is the game for for Vavadekos. No matter how good he is, uh, unfortunately, I don't think this is the time to uh, to put him in there. So
2: all this is saying is that it's prime for a Valt 93rd minute winner. Oh, just saying, I'd live off but that. We'll I'd live off that yeah. for Oh, mate, you'd be dining for free in people's heads for the rest of time. not uh, after he just had me or a
1: techie picked. <laughs> no, man. it not matter, mate. No, no, Dawson, Dawson, be... Listen, Dawson's proven yeah. last week yeah. with the darts.
0: <laughs> so that doesn't that don't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter, mate. It do not
2: matter. You can go back. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's the FA Cup final, lads. Uh, next week, it'll be a case of reviewing what happened and previewing the Champions League final, because that's next Saturday, so it's all coming thick and fast as we approach the very, very end of the season. But, it is now time for the first ever end of season awards. We have got five categories. We've got the team of the season, the player of the season, the manager of the season, the surprise of the season in a good way, and the uh, disappointment of this season as well. So we're going to go around the room. We'll just, I'll chuck random names out there. Give us who you've got for each category. We'll, we'll go around categories one by one, not person one by one, and your reasons for that. So we'll start off with team of the season. Um, and Aggie, we'll start with you, mate. For, you can pick, for each category, you can pick someone from the Premier League down to the National League. It's up to you if you've just gone Prem or, or any other leagues for people or teams that deserve it. So uh, who have you got as your team of the season?
3: My team of the season is the Championship Champions. I've gone with Burnley. I think they've been oh. playing some fantastic football. I think they've been standout performers in that division. No disrespect to Sheffield United, Kemp. I know you guys played them off the park, but at the same time, they've been an outstanding side. I think company's gotten playing some very nice football. Um, I already see them staying up in the Premier League next season, just with a couple of additions and strengthening. So uh, I've gone with Burnley as my team of the season. I think Surprise that
2: level. is a, you think, a solid pick, I, I think, there. But yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have expected Aggie to pick that. He would have probably picked Chesterfield and sold it <laughs> to the moon. But uh, I'll go next. And um, I think if you take into account the whole season and the reasons why I think it is a justified pick. But I've gone Arsenal as my uh, team of the season. Yes, we've spent a lot of time talking about bottling, talking about bottling and everything else like that. But 84 points, finishing only six points behind Man City. If you'd have said that at the start of the season, you'd have said, wow. Um, They won 26 league games, which is tied with the Invincibles as their highest ever Premier League wins in a season. They were fifth last season on 69 points. They've gained 15 points this season. They were eighth in the two seasons before that, and they're back in the Champions League for the first time in seven years. So if you just look at that on paper, I think they've got to be in the conversation for team of the season. You You could
0: honestly tell me they shit gold. And 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 have a cure for all terrible diseases, and I still wouldn't believe a word that's coming out of your mouth right now. One of the things that we're going to talk about is surprise of the season, okay? And that's a little bit of a spoiler, peek behind the curtain, as I would usually say. Um, Arsenal for that category, maybe, but Arsenal yeah. that yeah. have won fuck all, I'm not quite sure about that. When there's been some very impressive teams, but is your prerogative Dawson and and I understand in a way why you've picked them but yeah it's it's, it's a no from me but I respect that it's I agree. I agree that's fair
2: well it is an opinion after all isn't it of course it is it'd be boring if you all sat here and pick same that's it mate that's it but we're going
0: to pick same
2: (laughs) 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 both Man City easy job but who have you got for team of the season
0: I have gone for Man City yeah I have um purely down to the fact that in a couple of weeks' time, they could have won the treble. And that's kind of the reason why I've gone for them. Realistically, the odds would suggest that they will. I know I've gone for Man United to win in the FA Cup final. But you can 100% see City winning it. Obviously, they're the favourites. And I think City against Inter Milan, they're never going to have a better opportunity in the Champions League final than than playing Inter Milan, who aren't really that good. They're just pretty organised. So, yeah, for me, Man City potentially winning the treble in a couple of weeks' time. Can't look past them. There have been a couple of standouts. Wrexham, Adam, cover your ears. Um, You know, there have been some some great performances. Burnley, as you mentioned there, Adam, as well. But for me, it does have to be Manchester City. and, And, yeah, they're my team of the
2: season that's fair maybe we should have held this off for a couple of weeks because manchester city just winning the league might be uh different to manchester city that won the treble so we'll we'll revisit that in two weeks and say with all context would you still have them as your team of the season it'd be interesting to see if that's still the case but sam and that's the main close...
0: reason why i picked them for that exact reason
2: yeah that's fair we'll uh, we'll revisit that one but sam have you gone man city or have you got another
1: team to uh chuck on well, the table I'm glad you've uh, you've spoken about the season as a whole and not just the domestic league. So I'm going to come back to that point a little bit later with one of my, my next picks. And yeah, I've gone a bit left field here. Uh, similar sort of uh, thinking along the lines of Arsenal to you. Um, I've gone Notts County now. And I think yeah. I think it's they very fair. I, I thought about them. Yeah, I think they've pushed Wrexham all the way, despite disparity in the funds. Uh, they've, they'd have won the league by a country mile in any other d- domestic calendar and I just think they deserve, you know, they deserve the flowers on this one. I, I could have easily picked Wrexham, but let's be fair, i would have fucking kicked my head in if I'd have been <laughs> uh, Yeah,
2: you see him gone off screen, and then shortly after <laughs> you <were> looking <laughs> up. Like, you in a of yeah. home coming yeah. out. On
1: Sam's screen, yeah. Yeah. So I think Notts County, I, I quite like that pick. I must admit, I was I was to and fro on whether just doing all Premier League affair, but I haven't. So yeah, Notts County mm-hmm. Get my team of the season.
2: I, I like that, mate. Um, we we've had a few comments on on the forum, so I, I wasn't sure whether to go through people's or just drop other teams in per category. What do you reckon? I think just just do
1: per category. They've picked that, and then we'll yeah. get get yeah. nextons in next ones. That's fair. So uh, Aaron went for City,
2: and in, in brackets, incredible. Um, Jay put Newcastle. Um, Delhi put Arsenal. Uh, sure. You know, we will not expect anything less. But I'll back her on that because I did too. Uh, Chris Murray went Brighton, and then he put Man City if they pull off the treble. So I suppose again, would that be a case of Kemp changing the pick um, over the next couple of weeks? Uh, Kerwin also put Newcastle, but again, I suppose that's not a shock. Um, and then Paul Martin went for Brighton. So uh, a couple, a couple of people picking Brighton in there, a couple of people picking Newcastle.
1: Um, so a couple of uh, different opinions in there. Which... I think I just want to do an honourable mention then. If, if, in case you're going, you know, in a couple of weeks' time if City have won the treble, then for that reason I will like to say an honorable mention to Man United, I think. Uh, again, last they've got Champions League football back, um, they've won the the Carabao Cup. And if they win the, you know, two two cups plus a Champions League spot, I think that'll be an unbelievable season from them. And you're giving it Arsenal, you and Delhi have given it Arsenal, they haven't even won anything. So if United have won two trophies yeah. and got the same as Arsenal, I think I'd give it them United over Arsenal myself.
0: Yeah, realistically, if Man United do win the FA Cup, that's sort of the best that Ten Hag could have possibly done in his yeah, first season. I think so. Got out of those players, so we're never going yeah, to leave. No, no, not at all, not at all, not at all. So yeah, Sam, I think you make a really good point there. So uh, t- to be decided.
2: Yeah, yeah, again, maybe revisit it. Maybe we should have held this off, but we're both deep in it
0: now. <laughs> um, so, next
2: up is player of the season. So, again, from the Premier League, down to the National League, who is the one player that you think deserves the flowers for their performance this season? And, Kemp, I'm going to come to you first for this
0: one. Yeah, it's, it's so boring. <laughs> it's so boring, and I'm so sorry, but I have to be I have to be full of integrity, and I have to pick with my what what I think is true. Uh, and Erling Haaland is, for for player of the season this season, coming to the Premier League and a lot of people expected him to hit the ground running, me myself included, um, but a lot of prominent sort of commentators online and, and over the over the social media sphere definitely saying that he was struggling in the Premier League uh, no such worries top scorer in the Premier League um, 36 goals um, and in all competitions it could get a lot lot higher than that so uh, yeah Golden Boo fantastic season champions in his first season could win the FA Cup and could win a treble again it's one for maybe in a couple of weeks but to be honest with you I think no matter what happens in, in the next few weeks Haaland takes my my pick for player of the season and rightfully so
2: yeah, absolutely with you. Uh might as well go next because I also had Harlan, like I said, thirty-six league goals. He's also got twelve Champions League goals. He scored three in the FA Cup, so he's over fifty in all competitions. He'd scored twenty-five goals in the first twenty Premier League games, which beat quite a lot of the recent um, golden boot totals. So he, he beat that halfway through the season pretty much. He, he's beat, you know, fastest to certain amount of goals and everything. Else. Most hat tricks, you know, least amount of games before getting the first hat-trick all that kind of stuff he's been an absolute juggernaut so sometimes the boring picks are the right picks and that's why they're boring but I, I find it hard to uh, justify anyone but Erling Haaland with his performance this season but hopefully one of you two lads or one of the forum picks which we'll get into after will uh, attempt to do that so uh, who wants to go first? Uh, has anyone got Erling and want to jump on? Or? Aggie,
1: you've got you've got Ireland.
3: I have not got Haaland, No.
1: Oh no! Uh, go on then, mate. You go, you go next.
3: Um, I have gone with Macaulay Langstaff. <laughs> hey,
1: yeah
2: I
3: assume getting. Sam's gone for the same. I want it. I want. I wanted to do it, but no, no. I, I haven't actually.
2: No. I can't believe that Sam's absolutely proud for it. same team, same player for yeah. team and player. was winning in that so.
3: crown, isn't it, for the uh, the lockins? But no, I've gone with Macaulay Langstaff. Forty-two goals in forty-seven games. It's a very good Notts County side, but he's been a standout performer, and it really surprised me if he's wearing a Notts County shirt again next season. Um, I think he, he's maybe top-end League One, if not lower-end, championship calibre at the moment, and he's still I'd like young. to see him at Derby. I must admit, I'd like to see him at Derby in League One. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't put that past him, to be fair. It'd be a great signing for Derby, and I think he's still quite young. He's still got a long career ahead of him. And looking at his previous goal-scoring records as well, they the the last one was quite similar to this when he was at Kings Lynn, but before that, he, he scored like one goal in 10 games all season. So, to it 42 in 47, help Notts County do the incredible achievement that they did. I think he's very worthy of it.
2: No, absolutely agree. Go on then, Sam. I'm, I'm assuming you've not gone Harland because you gave Adam <laughs> no. the opportunity to go first. So, uh, so
1: who have you got? In my notes, I have written Harland, 36 Premier League goals, 13 Champions League goals, 52 total goals unheard of in the Premier League era. And then I seen you all slowly ticking all and I thought, I can't do it. I just can't do. So I'm, I'm zagging where you've zing. It's for a, for an odd reason. I'm going to go with Harry Kane. Now, I'm going to go with Harry Kane here on 30 Premier League goals. He's six goals behind Ireland in a really poor Tottenham side. That Tottenham have been absolutely shit all season. They've had so much turmoil, ups and downs with managers. And he's still scored 30 Premier League goals. I think that is absolutely unbelievable from him. It's, it's a wonderful output. Um, and yeah, Ireland, yeah, he's he's been the best player. I, I will admit that. But I'm going to give it to Harry Kane for me. Just you've already done done my Ireland service for me. So yeah, Harry Kane for me, 30 Premier League goals in a really poor Tottenham side. Imagine Kane in that City side, and you know, he's going to be, a, you know, he's going to get an extra six goals. Let's be fair. So yeah, I'm going to give it Harry Kane. I think.
2: That's absolutely fair, mate. Should Manchester United go absolutely all the way in as possibly can to get him in a United
1: shirt for next season? 100. percent I am fully in the camp. I know Kemp disagrees with me. I am fully in the camp of, of signing Harry Kane for United this season, and I'd probably pay uh, up to ninety. I'd probably pay up to ninety. I know there's a year left in his contract, but you're getting a you're getting a genuine superstar. so you're going to get a bags bags of bags of goals, and I think. They've already paid, well, what was it? Um, Chelsea paid 88.5 for Mudrick, just to put that into perspective. So it's an extra yeah. million and a half for Harry Kane. So, yeah, that, that I've put a 90 million price tag on him. I don't think they'll get him for that, I must admit. I think Daniel Liv is a bit of a tight bastard when it comes to transfer dealings and is is quite known for being a poor negotiator. So they'd do well, I think, to get him for 90 million.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in with you. I think he is the difference maker between them him right up there next season mm-hmm. uh, with a couple of other pieces but for me is the main one um, in the forum Harland from Jay Harland from Delhi Harland from Chris Murray Harland from Kerouin Paul Martin did say Casemiro who I do think deserves to sort of have a mention for the difference he's made in terms of the leadership the experience I'd give him, I'd give him the
1: signing of the season I think signing of the season
2: yeah, that's fair in terms of what what difference they've made to the club. Um, and then Aaron went on un- on un- Jai for Blade, so I don't know what you reckon to that, Kemp. If that's a valid pick or you know just what, like it crossed my mind,
0: Definitely, definitely crossed my mind. Uh, Element and Jai is unbelievable superstar. Really, is a star boy. He played for Senegal in the World Cup and and, and put a good account of himself in there as well. Um, we need to keep him as simple as that. So, yeah, I can see what you're saying there, mate. But uh, yeah, Harlan does just and just squeak it. Does what do you
1: what do you take a little bit of umbrage of calling him Kemp calling him a superstar there with his with his history of world class statements? Do you think superstar's a bit bold? <laughs> it's not the same thing, is it? It's a bit bold.
2: It, it, yeah, I'm I'd say sure. I'd say. It. I'd say it's a bit bold. But a superstar in the making, maybe. Yeah, yeah to maybe. To me, but maybe. maybe not I would quite probably right agree now. with
0: that, to be fair. Starboy yeah. star is what I was going for, yeah. really. But I'll, yeah. take, that,
2: I'll you know. take that. He's just a motherfucking starboy. But anyway, uh, we'll see what happens over the summer. Maybe Getting to the Premier League is probably the best thing for Blaze because I don't think, like Langstaff, oh, he'd have not gone. Had, so he would not have been there. Uh, no, he'd
0: have
2: gone. We'll see what happens. I'm sure there'll be a couple of clubs that will try their luck and uh, see what kind of money... Blades might take but we'll see Kane to United and Jay to somewhere Langstaff to somewhere it's all the stuff that we'll be getting stuck into over the summer as uh, we uh, get ready for the next season but anyway manager of the season and Sam I'll start with you on this one who have Thank you
1: got you. from up and down the leagues who for you is the manager <clears throat> of the season one for Eddie Howe I'm sure I probably won't be alone in picking him uh, oh, they spent anything really compared to the big clubs um, I think nine of the last Is, is this average starting eleven Players that played in the team, you know, in the relegation fight. So, what, he, how, how he's managing to get forms from them team to go from complete opposite ends of the table and competing and finishing, they didn't finish fourth in the end. I think United got third, didn't yeah. they? Um, fourth, yeah. yeah, fourth place is absolutely unbelievable. It's not like they've gone in and signed an in Ireland or anything like that. They've, they've just made these quite shrewd signings and and put pieces together, and, and he's just coached the hell out of these players. So yeah, uh, Eddie Al for me, he takes my uh, manager of the season.
2: I'll uh, I'll jump straight on the back of that mate because I've also gone Eddie Howe uh, like you said there we we spoke about it a few weeks ago a few months ago when we were talking about the potential you know title race and things like that and it was quite a bit of a discussion about how much Newcastle had spent and you know was it just money because of the money they've now gotten I completely agree. They've bought players, they have spent some money, but they've not bought household names. They've not bought players that have proven it elsewhere. They've bought in players that have the potential to do what Eddie Howe was looking to do. Last year, he took over after 11 games. They hadn't won any of those 11 games. They were sat on five points in 19th place, minus 12 goal difference. They were they were struggling. They were in a bad place. But yeah, absolutely right. A lot of those names are still in that squad, still in the starting 11. Uh, players that were there at that point as well he's been phenomenal and like you say the fourth they're back in the Champions League I was at the Alan Shearer show a couple of weeks ago just before the final day of the season and he was talking about the culture the passion of the fans how St. James's Park has come alive he said that you know he goes down to the golf club and it, with in the last few years he'd take tickets he'd put them on the table and he'd finish his golf club he'd finish his round and they'd still be on the table and he's saying now he can't get them to the table before someone's taken them off him and he said that you know the the life that he's brought back to that club and, and what he's done him and his team completely agree with you is manager of the season but uh, Aggie what about you mate are you also on the Eddie Howe train or have you got a different name to put on the table
3: I've got a different name to put on the table and I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this but I'm going with you and I Emery at Aston Villa mm, um, okay. I think they That's struggled I like it, at Talk the beginning. Us they struggled at the beginning of the season. Uh, they brought Emery in. He's turned them around. He's got Ollie Watkins scoring and confident in himself. Um, before the season started, there was no sight for players like Tyrone Tyron Mings even getting into that side. And Mings now is even being called up for England. People are shouting that Watkins should be called up for England. Um, Martinez, people are talking about the potential of him getting a big club move as well away from maybe Aston Villa, but still like reigniting his career after a struggle at Arsenal. I think what he's managed to do with that side to get them on the verge of European football. I, I don't think they qualified in the end, did they? They just missed out.
2: They've got the Conference League, didn't they?
3: Conference League, so they've got Europe in, in one aspect. But getting to European football after such a slow start to the season, I think he definitely deserves some recognition. And the players that he's got within that squad have, again, and who was it you said that they've been linked with now? Skin, you mentioned it the other day. Quite a quite a coup if they do manage to get him as well.
2: Um, Asensio from uh, Real Madrid.
3: There you go. And I've heard rumours that they're also on the verge of, uh, or they are looking at and interested in Harvey Barnes if they can sign him it's just another player mm-hmm. in yeah. that sort of direction so for me you and I Emery
2: Absolutely fair Kemp two for Howe one
3: for Emery is there yeah. uh, another name
0: coming to the table? Yeah absolutely a completely different name and a name that, that, that maybe maybe some of you have heard of uh, Luke Williams Notts County for me um, Notts County for the past few seasons have been flirting around that playoff position I think they finished fifth and then third and then fifth and they've just not managed to Kind Of break that glass ceiling, as it were. Um, but they've brought in a lot of good players on, on free contracts. Uh, I think they played, paid 50k for Macaulay Langstaff, which probably the best 50k anybody's ever spent ever. Um, what, what a return that's been for, for them this season, Notts County. And, and as I think Sam mentioned earlier, they, they really did push Wrexham all the way on on such a small budget. It's you know, compared to Wrexham's budget, it's unbelievable. And yes, we were all a little bit gutted, obviously, it's been local to Chesterfield that they did win in the. Uh, in the in the conference final, um, the national league final, but ultimately in the end, I think they did deserve it over the course of the season, um, and that's why I'm going to go with uh, with Luke Williams. I think in his 51 games as as Knox County manager, I think they might have lost four. I think might be the stat, which is just unbelievable. So the turnaround there. The low spend and the fact that he managed to keep up with Wrexham as long as he did with that spend as well uh, gives me manager of the season for him. And he is still 42, so a very, very young manager as well. So uh, watch out for Luke Williams in the future, I think. Absolutely. And a great pick. And I just want to put this on the radar. we will not discuss it now
2: because this will come in when we season previews. But I was talking to Aggie uh, yesterday about Chesterfield hopes so and National League. And I was trying to find better nods for the National League and couldn't. But... Came across League Two betting odds for next season, and Wrexham are currently favourites with Notts County really? third. Yeah, Notts County are third favourites um, to wow. win League Two. So, uh, again, just to put on your radar as we, uh, before we get into previews l- later on in the year. But uh, yeah, are quite interesting, I thought. Um, in the forum, some different names in there. Uh, Aaron's gone for Emery, like you, Aggie, or Brighton's gaffer, as he said, uh, Deserby. Uh, Jay's gone Eddie Howe, like me and you, Sam. Uh, deli has gone Arteta. Honestly, um, she is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Murray again, similar to you, Kent, with the Man City pick. But he's gone for Pep. But again, that depends on whether or not they win the treble. Carrowin's um, gone Deserby, and Paul Martin has also gone Deserby. So uh, a couple of shouts there for for the work that he's done at Brighton. But yeah, he uh, definitely
0: deserves an honourable mention as well. Definitely from all of us, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But um, I'll, I'll pick up the surprise of the season to start with the reason being what we've just discussed. And I've actually got Brighton um, yeah. as my surprise of the season. They were absolutely brilliant under Graham Potter, how he had them playing the results that they were getting, the climb through the Premier League that they were doing. Um, and he then left to Chelsea um, because of the work that he'd done. And a lot of the backroom staff went with them. And a lot of people, I think myself included, certainly expected them to drop off with them having that sort of backroom staff taken away. They were losing players like Cucurella, for example, uh, going Chelsea, and they were expecting a lot of other players to leave as well. But the Zerbi came in and had been absolutely brilliant. The flowing attacking football that they played, Pep made the point of mentioning Brighton coming up when the title was still up for grabs and saying, look, this is, we've got to play them. They're probably the best team in the league in terms of playing from the back. And if you look at some of the play the season, some of the goals they've scored have been absolutely fantastic. And again, if you look at their age, up and down that squad, amazing. Like Evan Ferguson up top, he is going to be. If he joins a bigger club, he's going to be. He's going to be right up there when it comes to golden boots, and he's not even at 20 yet. Some of the the, the three sort of attacking mids they played against Man City, they were all under 21. Levi Colwell, who we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago on loan from Chelsea, he's only 20 years old and he is fantastic and, and should be in the England squad already for me. Brighton put in a £30 million bid for him uh, in the last couple of days that Wood's rejected. So not only has he got them playing absolutely brilliant football, but he's doing it with a very young squad as well. So similar to what you said there, Kemp, about the Notts County manager, this is a squad that isn't even anywhere near their peak yet. So if they can keep that core, if they keep Deserby in place, They could do really good things next season. I do worry a little bit about the squad depth with European football, but I I think for me, finishing sixth, getting the Europa League, after a lot of people expected them to drop off after Potter left, I think for me they're the surprise of the season uh, after that. But uh, Sam, who have you got for that?
1: Yeah, I'll just about jump in there. I'm piggybacking straight on you, mate. I've also picked Brighton for mine. Sixth place finish um, and the FA Cup semi-final, which you didn't even mention there. Yeah, yeah, But true. for every, every, um, everything that you just mentioned, a young squad playing some of the best p- football in the Premier League, you could, uh, you'd um, find a bitter man to not, not, uh, not put an argument against them, really. So, yeah, I'm also going to piggyback off you. I'm not going to go into detail as you've just done that for me. So, yeah, Brighton, I've also gone for surprise.
2: That's fair. And Kent gave a little bit of a look when you, you, you said you were piggybacking. So, I'll go straight to him. Is it another pick for Brighton or have you got somebody
0: else or somebody else, and uh, I think somebody mentioned that their team of the season this season was Burnley. Adam, was that you? Yep. I Aggie. Yeah, for me, yeah, for me, surprise of the season is Burnley. Um, simple reason being is that the start of the season, I know they weren't. Being considered as title challengers in the championship, they would just come down. Vincent Company, unproven in the Premier, in, in the uh, in the English football uh, league. Um, obviously, I know he worked at Anderlecht I think for a while and mixed results right. there. Nobody was expecting him to do what he did, and, and fair play to him, he they absolutely ran the championship. Yes, Sheffield United, my team got promoted with them, but ultimately, Burnley were, were top dogs from start to finish, pretty much. And it wasn't just the performance in the championship and the fact that they won the league at a counter, really, which is not a lot of people expected them to do. Um, but it was the change in the philosophy, the style mm. of football. Burnley have been known for years and years and years under under Sean Dyche and people before that. Knock it long, knock it long, knock it long. Get that second ball and try and turn the ball in and, and try and get a scrappy win. Vincent company has been playing some lovely stuff with Burnley all season, um, and and that's uh, that's really been a big surprise for me. So congratulations to Burnley Vincent Kompany. They're my surprise of the season. We will talk about it in the season preview, my chances for them in the Premier League. Probably not as good as the chances that everybody else gives Burnley in the Premier League, but there's just a little bit of a teaser as to my opinion there, and uh, I'm sure we'll get stuck into that when we do the season preview. I like that, too. Um, I,
1: I remember watching them. If you remember, they were up first on the first game of the season. or on a Friday night. I, I think it was, yeah. I yeah. can't remember who they played, but they just absolutely played them off the park, and I thought, is this This is a completely different Burnley side to a side I've ever seen before. Like you say, Vincent company's come in, and, and it were. It were instant because like I say, that was from game one in the championship. It's not like they've grown into that style of football. It was he's had one off season with them, sounding like American football there, but <laughs> that one off season with them and it's he's it got this philosophy drilled into him. And yeah, that, that in game one, it was uh we were playing that, that uh yeah, high high octane football. Absolutely.
2: I, I do just want to put out there very quickly as well, because you mentioned that every pre season I always have a bet of who I think will win the Premier League. It would be a fourfold So Premier League winners and then not to win the league, but to be promoted Championship, to be promoted League 1, to be promoted League 2. I had Man City to win the Premier League. I had Burnley to be promoted from the Championship. I had Ipswich to be promoted from League 1, but then I had Mansfield to be promoted oh. from League 2. So uh, hopefully when we... Rexham, uh, is them. it? Uh, when we uh, when we document it and we do that again, Premier League winner and then a team to be promoted. Uh, let's see how we get on. But yeah, did quite well and uh, uh, yeah, he, he did a fantastic job. So yeah, very valid pick again there. Aggie, who have you got, mate, for your surprise of the season?
3: I have remained in the Championship and I have gone for Luton Town. Um, I think nice. nobody really expected them to make the playoffs, aside the I've got match day programmes from when they were in uh, in League Two up against us not too long ago. They were in the conference, they were struggling financially and they've really turned things around. Um, Kemp gave me an an odd look then when I mentioned not about being in the in the playoffs, so I'm not sure if that was... You, you expect them in the playoffs?
0: Yeah, no, I don't agree with that, to be fair. I don't agree with that at all. I can understand why you're saying that Luton are the surprise package. I get that. But um, last season they finished in the playoffs, finished sixth. Season before that, they finished. I think it was twelfth. So I get what you're saying, but the last couple of seasons they have been in and around that top half of the table playoffs. So I'm not quite sure on that point, but uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely surprised of the season in the fact that they got promoted, mate. So off you go, carry on. Yeah, that, that's kind you know, of if where it's I was... not national
3: league. Is not bothered. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're kind of finishing with it. Yeah, they, they they got promoted to the Premier League, and not many will expect them to do much at all in the Premier League next season. We've already touched on that. But, yeah, to, to go on and win the playoffs as well against some of the sides that were in there, of course, beating Middlesbrough to get there as well, a side that we know have been very good this season. Um, yeah, I'm going to put them down as my surprise. That's Fair, fair mate. That's
2: Fair, fair enough. Um, Jay's also gone for Luton uh, on the forum as surprise of the season. Uh, a couple of shouts to <laughs> Villa from Aaron and uh, Kerouin. Um, Paul Martin's gone for Fulham so a new name in there and I think again they've, they've just got promoted and they've uh, they've had a very good first season so I think a very valid pick there uh, Chris Murray's gone for Newcastle um, as has Delhi and uh, yeah so a couple of different teams in there actually he's not uh, in Arsenal
1: there I know yeah <laughs> I <suppose laughs> not, not a been. surprise is it not a surprise she expects it every season
2: yeah true very true but uh, on like. to the, uh, the final category and that is the disappointment of the season. So which team, which player, which, you know, it doesn't have to be specific to one thing, but who have you got as the team or player that disappointed you this season? You're expecting good things from, and, and they didn't quite hit that. And Kemp will go with you first.
0: Yeah, for me, it's got to be Chelsea. Um, you look at the start of the season for them, um, yes, there were problems with the ownership and what have you, um, but ultimately, they've got a, a new owner that's come in and that's invested a lot and a lot of money, um, probably more than anybody else in the entire football pyramid this season over the course of the season. Um, Graham Potter, who you know, came in just after Tuchel left, they won. I don't think they won the Champions League last season, but it was the season before that they won the Champions League as well, wasn't it? So yeah, you, you look at the last couple of seasons they had under Thomas Tuchel and, and you look at it and think they really should be doing pretty well. But obviously they finished mid-table. Graham Potter did come in to replace Thomas Tuchel when Todd Bowley did step into the club. Graham Potter did fantastic things at Brighton, but unfortunately couldn't get them going. Um, and then the suicidal appointment of Frank Lampard at the end, which was just hilarious from everybody outside of, Chelsea Football Club and potentially Sam So Chelsea for me. <laughs> I had to get it in there. Right? Yeah, I to get yeah, it in yeah.
1: There. yeah. But I'm yeah, fair. Chelsea
0: for me. With the money that they've spent and with the manager that they, you know, Tuchel that they got in, who was a Champions League winner for them, they got rid of him to get Potter in, who was a fantastic manager at Brighton. To finish where they did, it's a, a real shame for them. So fingers crossed for them. Pochettino can sort that out for them next season. Aggie, you were nodding your head there
2: if you've gone Chelsea, because I have as well. So, shall I get into the reasons first or do you want to take it if you've got them?
3: I've got Chelsea, mate. I don't mind whichever one of us goes first. I, I felt that this one would be quite unanimous. I was stuck between Chelsea and Liverpool at one point and then thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stick with Chelsea because Liverpool at least got into Europe in the end. And I think had Chelsea not made that knee-jerk decision to sack uh, Tuchel very early on, they'd have probably still made it into Europe by the end of the season. I think it was the, the merry-go-round of sacking managers that I think just, cost them a little bit too much bringing in players that they didn't need they've got a very old defense so they're strengthening their attack and that made no sense at all um i think with pochettino they're going to get some sort of stability now we've already seen that mason mounts on his way out he's going to manchester united so he's going to start making some changes some that maybe even chelsea fans aren't too happy with themselves and it'll start to get them back to where they need to be and bit by bit we'll start to see like a new chelsea side but still the old chelsea side if that makes sense that we know under Abramovich have had so much success in the past and this season they should really have been making Europe considering the players that they've got they should have at least been making Europe so yeah I think they've been the disappointment
2: yeah and like I said I've gone for them as well as much as I would have gone to love to have gone Liverpool they've had a lot of injuries and I I think the season that they had is fair and, and they recovered well in the end so I, I, it'd be a biased pick if I went there, but yeah, Chelsea. A couple of f- figures for you: they spent five hundred and eighty-five point five million across the summer and winter transfer window uh, across sixteen players. Uh, they had Tuchel, who completely agree with Kemp. Absolutely no idea why they got rid of him. Um, they brought in get Graham uh, Potter, who was right at the peak of sort of his powers at Brighton, and I think they they went for him before someone else did. Um, but yeah, Todd Bowley coming in under not the most ideal circumstances. Abramovich didn't want to sell but was forced to for reasons that we know. So just a bit of a, a season of turmoil. If Todd Bowley can rein it in a little bit and understand that it's a football club and start to get a bit of a better understanding of how it should be run and, and it's not just about chucking money at it. It's got like Newcastle, it's got to be chucked in, in the right places, a bit of a, a reset, get rid of some dead weight. And give Potcher a, a team. I'm sure he'll come in and identify pretty quickly who is going to be sort of the, the right people to be a part of that job and, and who isn't. So, yeah, it's going to be a big summer for different reasons this summer uh, for Chelsea. So, I am expecting them to do a lot better, but this season they've been an absolute shambles. Uh, Sam, what about you?
1: So, I'm going to start this bit. When I said at the top of the awards show, I'm glad we're discussing the, the whole football calendar. Yeah. I'm going to call you and everyone on that forum fucking liars. If you're okay. thinking that Chelsea was more disappointing than England not beating France <laughs> in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. Well, I don't know. France were like it depends no, what maybe. you call what what made
2: you the most disappointed, yeah. But most in dis- terms of what you expected versus what was delivered, I
1: think for, you know, they were reigning World Cup, they were not for me, not for me. We we played, we outplayed them for the whole whole game. I thought Harry Kane missed a penalty, and and again, I want to add this like a second tier to why I wanted him as my staff. that he's he's got since he got knocked out of the World Cup. But the fact that he did bounce back from from missing that penalty and has gone on score thirty goals in the Premier League, I think that's hats off to him. It, it strength of character. But yeah, England not beating France in that game. You just you, I just, I can remember sitting there feeling sick. Um, that that would uh, once again come up against, as Ken always says, another big team that would not be. So it shouldn't really be a disappointment. Should be expected by now, but you just know that that was probably your most disappointing feeling throughout this entire. Mind you, probably not Ag. Obviously, I probably say Chesterfield with Aggie, which I'm surprised is is actually not gone for that. But yeah, know that feeling that was that was my most disappointing feeling throughout any of the uh, the footballing calendar this year.
3: No, I'm disappointed we didn't get promoted off the back of the playoffs, but I don't think we had a disappointing season. I mean, no, two no, of the last the three season. seasons, it, uh, our I'm, points I mean, time have taken
1: us up. i mean, putting it down to a moment, not not so much a season
3: itself. Oh, right, I mean, yeah, no, the moment. Of,
1: most disappointing Say, yeah. moment was uh, was probably England losing to France for me.
2: Harry Kane blasting that penalty over. Yeah, in terms of moment, in terms of the actual disappointment emotion, then then yeah, it has it has to be. Um, in terms of the forum, I just said there has to be. Aaron's put Chelsea, has to be. Jay's put Chelsea. Deli's put Liverpool. Uh, Chris Murray's put Chelsea. Kerwin's put Chelsea, and then uh, Paul Martin's put as hilarious as I personally find it Liverpool. So. Um yeah I think Chelsea are I think that's a... fair. I
0: think that's very harsh on Liverpool, personally yeah i think that's i and I agree really harsh. I think if everybody's saying Liverpool there, I think you're probably going with your emotions a little bit more than you're going with your actual who you genuinely think is is a disappointment after this season that Liverpool had. they've still finished fifth, um and they've still put themselves in a decent position where if they had some decent decent people and, and decent players, then they'll get back get themselves back to uh, to it to a position where they could be potentially be challenging. So yeah, I think that's a little bit harsh, but again, everybody's got their opinion and uh, and we, we appreciate you getting in touch everybody with your opinions on the, the, the end of season awards for loaded sport.
2: That's it. And and just very quickly I didn't put this out there. It's just popped into my head. It might be a pointless question. But we mentioned earlier about Harry Kane uh Sam when you were talking about player of the season and You know, and I I was saying that that for me is the one player that United should go all in on. So just for each of your clubs, because the transfer window is just around the corner, if there's one player that you would want your team to bring in in the summer, mine being Harry Kane, who would you want that to be? And Sam, you mentioned the name earlier and a link to Derby. So we'll start with you assuming that that could be the pick.
1: Yeah, that is the pick. I mean, uh, you know, I could always go unrealistic and get someone from, you know, Premier League or Championship. But yeah, I think terms- it has to be realistic. Yeah, 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 of course, in terms of pure realism and the fact that there has been talks, you know, rumours that he's been linked with Derby. So, yeah, I'm going to say Macaulay Langstaff. I think I think it would be a, a cracking sign-in. How old is he? 27, is he? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's about that. 27, I
0: think- in 28. I think, I think maybe 26, 27, 28. I'm not 100% no. sure. He's around that age range now. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, about 27 then. Um,
1: and, uh, yeah, I think I think that'd be a cracking sign if both Derby and him, I think.
2: that I agree, mate. I think that'd be a great sign, especially with the kind of football that uh, won as uh, you boys playing And now he's got his own sort of summer a bit of funds. They're able to sign players. And they really push on, so I think he'd be a, a great signing. Uh, Aggie, what about you, mate? Uh, I've, I've got an idea of who it is, but for the, for the masses
3: and for the benefit of Kemp and Sam, who have you got for for Chesterfield? Mate, you've said it's got to be realistic. Then you said you think Harry Kane's going to sign for Chesterfield, so I've no idea where you're thinking. I didn't say that. you <laughs> bastard, you uh, fucking you. Yeah, is it still <laughs> your joke? Exactly. Is it <laughs> you yeah. all You bastard,
1: yeah.
3: Really, all his brilliant. time. But yeah, no, I'm um, I'm going to go with Andrew Dallas. Um, I know well, the I know obvious that'd be your pick. Pig. For some, might be uh, a certain Mr. Will Grigg. Um But we'll say no more on that. Um, Andrew Dallas, I think, is the player that we need after what he's done for us since joining us on loan from Solihull. He's really uh, proven himself as a prolific goal scorer. But I think, again, he's too good for this level. So, if I got to pick, I'd like to see Andrew Dallas. But realistically, he, he's good enough for League Two, maybe even bottom end of League One at this point. And again, he's still quite young. So. I'll tell you I'll tell what, if you
1: Will if you sign Will Grigg, that uh, that song's almost made for a minute. Will Grigg's a spy, right? Your defence is terrified. It's it's, yeah. it's got a nice click to it. That.
2: There you go. Gaz will be straight on that, will will I'm Grigg. sure. But uh, Kem, I've I've ended it with you just purely because it is the return to the Premier League. You've already mentioned a couple of comments about the the funds available and things like that. So realistically, is there a player that you've got your eye on that they hope uh, that you hope that the Blades bring in?
0: Yeah, James McAtee back on loan from Manchester City. I know it's a really boring one, I get it, but he's been absolutely fundamental to our, to our promotion charge. Um, gone back to Man City now at the end of his loan, uh, but ultimately I can't see, no matter how good he is, I can't see him really featuring for Man City in, in the near future. He's still very, very young. So ultimately for me, I think James McAtee bringing him back on loan for another season at Sheffield United, getting ourselves established in the Premier League and then hopefully signing a potential replacement with the money that we hopefully get from either more Premier League money or or a takeover. So the realistic one is James McAtee, um, but there's quite a few that that we need to sign and like you say, on a pretty shoestring budget for the Premier League unless we get that that elusive takeover. So uh, we'll see how we go. Dawson, who do you want to see coming to uh, the Technique Stadium in the summer? (laughs) Um, well,
2: on that, I would have to agree with Adam on Andrew Dallas. He was fantastic on loan. Uh, the difference in they started the season really well up until that third round game against West Brom. They dropped off. They brought him in, and, and the style of play and their uh, sort of well everything really in in the last sort of couple of months of the season was night and day. And he was integral to that. So yeah, it would be him on a, a realistic, uh, on I'll a be realistic honest. Aspect.
1: After- after watching that, I mean, I've only seen a snippet of Chesterfield football. After watching that playoff final and, and hearing your thoughts on it, both of you, um, I'm astounded neither of you have gone for an out-and-out striker. I know obviously they ended up playing yeah. up front and he didn't, he's not really got bad about his game. Like you, you mentioned Will Grigg. I think that would be an unbelievable signing. And it's yeah. a pure striker who's going to play up top. You've got a focal point. So, yes, so someone like that, I think, would be, a, would be a cracking signing. I think it's a signing that you do need as well.
2: I agree. I don't know why Aggie's laughing, mate. Do you wanna... No, beans, mate, no, or?
1: no, it's all right. No? Okay.
0: He's got, got some insider knowledge around. there, haven't he? Uh, yeah, I, I
2: get... Uh, (laughs) leave it there that's
0: a wry smile if I've ever seen
2: one yes it's the wryest of smiles but lads that is episode 51 that is the first ever end of season awards and the next one up will be the first ever season predictions both for the NFL and football so I can't wait to get stuck into that but until then until next week where we'll be reviewing the FA Cup final previewing the Champions League final talking about what happened in Spain for F1 and also the latest happenings in the combat world. Let's talk about upcoming weekend. So, Sam, back end of the week off, mate. What have you got planned for this upcoming weekend other than a day in the star?
1: Yeah, well, that's it, mate. I did mention it, obviously, at the top when I first joined us. Uh, I think it'll be an, an, uh, an afternoon in the star for me. Uh, watching, I mean, you've got well, we've got to be watching FA Cup final. Aren't we? There's no excuse not to watch that one. Um, FA Cup final, and then I think we have got a bit of a signal on. It's they normally do at the, at the star, and... And want to take advantage of that dartboard while everyone's outside. I like the little, uh, the old Windmore Blade 6 board they've got up there. So, yeah, I'll be be there at the dartboard once once the football's done.
2: I like it, mate. I like it. And, uh, yeah, I'll be in Manchester on Saturday. So... Uh, one, I don't know where and if I'll be watching the FA Cup final. Probably not, but we'll see. It might be a bit tough to uh, to watch it given time, but it might be travelling. You never know. So we'll try and get it on the phone if not. But travelling. One, the one bit of advice
1: to you, mate. Please don't be travelling at three o'clock, and please get go <laughs> early because it's going to be fucking horrendous for you. Okay. If what would you be
2: if you gave me a time to be out the door, give me that. I would time. say
1: I would say set off at eight nine. Set off at eight at, or nine in the morning. Yeah. That's what we did. We did exactly the same, when they weren't playing until
0: night. Yeah, and you've got oh. to remember as well is that you're you're going to be going the opposite way to the traffic. So you look at when you're going up, seeing United fans will be going down. When you're going we down, yeah, but there's that everyone that going,
2: going towards Coldplay. There's everyone. Yeah, going no, going I get that. No, I understand
0: them. that. But Sam but Sam makes a very valid point in the sense that not only is it Coldplay and, and whatever Elton John's probably still doing his bits and pieces, but you have got the the United and the City fans clogging up that, that M6 and, and around that area oh, yeah. as well. So, yeah, I, I've not been, I'm not going to cold play. I, I don't think I could think of anything worse. But for me, I would set off at that time as well, most definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, and was, you awesome. also get yourself there nice and early and get yourself settled into a little that's pub it. near the ground that's and it. watch their fake-up final.
1: Of course you can. Yeah, that's it. that's That's what it's all about. And, yeah, we... we, we Probably when for the we city went, fans. <laughs> yeah, well, probably will be pretty close to Grand. Um when we went, yeah, there was obviously Coldplay in town, Elton John in town, the train strikes, well all that's going on Saturday for you. Plus Arctic monkeys are there playing somewhere as well. I think that'll old traffic cricket ground. And and the train strikes are still there as well. So it, I can imagine it were rough around, around Manchester yes on a Wednesday. So God knows black on a Saturday. So yeah, mate, don't be travelling at three o'clock because you're probably up missing the gig. Oh we'll see.
3: I'll report back.
2: Um, but uh, Aggie, what about you, mate? What are your plans for this upcoming weekend? You had a busy bank holiday. What's uh, what's the plan for this one?
3: I am going to Sheffield to see the filming of the new Gladiator season. Ooh! Um, the return of Gladiators. I've got tickets to go and see that at uh, the Utilita Arena in Sheffield. I'm all over that, mate. I love oh you. yeah, I love well, that. Did you get some tickets through work? We spoke about it earlier. Did you sort it? Um, I did not. Um, I'm sorting that out on Monday, depending on whether I can get Ned. in. Depending on whether Monday. I can get in on uh, oh, yeah, Saturday or not, because there's been yeah, absolutely well, chaos. They've given out more tickets than the arena holds, so we've got to get there. No, oh my God! Gladiators
0: is a draw, people. Yeah, draw. Man, it's a big draw, it's
3: a big it, draw. It so,
0: but uh, but it's
3: on seats? Yeah, worst case but, uh, scenario, uh, I'll, I'll just... be going next Sunday if we can't get in tomorrow. But if we can get in tomorrow, we be going tomorrow. That's like fair, it. mate. But like if it. you don't end up going and you try and get
2: tickets through, it give Kemp a message because he seems right up for it. So uh, see if it. it. I need to
0: keep me away from that fucking star as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there you go, mate. Bear that in mind. Kemp, what about you, mate? Golf star. What's happening in the world of Kemp this weekend?
0: Yeah, golf. As you can imagine, rearing up for the holiday in a few weeks now. It's less than a month away to the holiday now, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, a bit of golf, trying to avoid the star at all costs. Um, because I love it to bits. I really, really do. But my wallet doesn't love it as much. Um, and then, uh, yeah, a bit, bit more golf on Sunday, I think, on Sunday, as Adam would say. So a bit of a quiet one, doing bits around the house and playing lots and lots of golf, which we like.
2: Absolutely. Well, lads, I, I have mentioned to you to this already, but now we're at the point, I'll, I'll drop a bit of breaking news. But I am missing three out of the next four weeks, including the next two weeks, because uh, I'm away. So uh, it's a very busy June. So um the next few episodes... Keep it going strong. Keep the discussions uh, rocking. And, uh, yeah, I'll be back in, a, in what, three weeks? Because, um, yeah, I'm going to miss the next two. So, uh, yeah, have a good one, lads. and us uh, through it. I've Why, said, Why missing them? Just busy, busy, mate. Been a few weekends of doing nothing because I've spent a fuckload of money on, uh, on what's happening. But uh, i going to Bolton slash Manchester next week because we're watching Pink at Reebok Stadium or whatever, nice. Tough Sheet Stadium or whatever it's called. And then uh, we're in London the week after to watch uh, Penn & Teller in London, which is uh, so much that's been booked for about 18 months, but it got cancelled. So it's finally come round to uh, the rescheduled date. So, yeah, that's uh, a busy couple of weeks.
1: Hmm.
0: Big fun. You are right, Kemp? Yeah, I'm just thinking, what's it? <laughs> we'll cross that bridge we'll cross that bridge, we'll
2: cross that bridge. Yeah. We'll cross that bridge. that'll be that'll be part of the preview surely um, but yeah lads episode 51 it's it's rocking away ain't it so uh, have a great weekend and let's see what happens and come on United
1: mm. enjoy your night enjoy Lampier. your night bye love you Alan thanks a lot